Hello. How's it going? You guys hear me all right? Yeah. 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 You got you. You hear us? Yes, I can. I, re- I started to say hello, and then I realized that my mic was off on my headset. <laughs> you know. Oh, no worries. That's how it goes. I think we went five minutes one time trying to get somebody connected up, and I had them muted the whole time on the board. That last place we checked. Yeah, no, I, I this is this I do I deal with Microsoft Teams every day, so I'm pretty used to this. But still, I was like, that's why I realized my my headset mic was off because I was like. <laughs> sort of talk and then i'm like wait a second the light's off (laughs) how's it going guys good good appreciate you being on the show yeah pete lindbergh on the show absolutely talk to you about your uh have to cover your sunday cup grid lifing living the dream there and (laughs) and the other uh scca stuff i know we've been at some of the same events but just haven't worked out putting faces to names yet Kind of a loose, free-form kind of deal. Not a really okay. a QA necessarily. Yeah, just stream of consciousness. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you listen to any of the other right. It's just a couple of jackasses with a microphone. Hey, you know what? So be it. The uh, Yeah, I know we've, we've almost crossed paths a couple of times, and uh, I'm trying to think. I don't know if we've been at Solo Nats at the same time, but I know we've been to some yeah. other events together, and just, it's just, I think you're, you're right. It's just, it's never, I've been, I think, you were, were you at Solo Nats in 2019? No, I wasn't. Okay. I, I think we, um, all right. I think at uh, the pro solo at Grenada. Yeah. I think we just ran in just all alternate heats and with the rain, I just kind of made yeah. hanging out. Yeah. It was all a, that kind of a pain. That was a crazy one. Yeah. And uh, I think we probably just missed each other. If you went to the Texas tour at Grand Sport, I didn't go to Beeville, but I don't know if you made it down to Grand Sport. I did not make the Grand Sport one. I made Beeville because, uh, it was just because I was excited about, uh, I've, you know, I was in Houston for years. And so the, I, I won't say the Grand Sports site doesn't totally, you know, doesn't, it's not boring. It just doesn't uh, overly excite me. So I just, right. I've now, you know, I've been there a bunch of times. So I wasn't huge on the tour there. Yeah. Um, That's how I feel about Lamar Dixon. That's our local spot. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of the same. You know? I got it's, you. It's like so many things you can do with yeah. the layout. But, right. Um, yeah, I'm uh, I'm sad that um I mean we we're just talking about it today and I was just looking, you know, today the beginning of November, um, you know, the they're gonna have the last um what was the national site in Texas for years and years back in the early two thousands. Uh I don't know if it goes into the nineties as well, but I know they had a bunch of stuff there in like oh six and oh seven, but um Gulf Greyhound Park in Houston on uh down in uh, Texas City on I forty five. Right. Uh it's gonna have its last hurrah next month. Uh, the site, the site's officially been sold. They haven't had, they haven't had Greyhound racing there for a while. Um, I guess they've just been kind of doing like OTB type stuff, off track betting. And, you know, they're basically shut the facility's just kind of been on its last legs. And now it's officially got a new buyer. So after many years of autocross there and <laughs> lots of gravelly, you know, autocross mm-hmm. there, uh, for the past, you know, ye- a few, oh gosh, I've been going there since 2016. Um, I mean, I start, I remember watching events from outside the fence back as far as 2012, but when I first kind of came into Houston, but they've been going there for forever. The right. Grand Sports about to on its death throes, so they're having one bat last double double two day event in November. I may may try to make that one. I don't know. It's uh, I haven't made any of the Houston event, any of the locals. Just haven't made the effort to. Yeah, you know, I'm not too much on like spending the night. On something like that, and it'd yeah. be a long day. From yeah, Baton Rouge is about five hours from Baton Rouge, so it'd be a long day. 
but uh, right, but yeah, we did pass. I know it Carrie comes out occasionally, but even yeah. still, that's still a tough one. Yeah. So yeah, yeah usually if he's getting a, ready, testing a car or something, kind of get it on a bigger national style course because we don't have anything over here that yeah you might be able to string a couple of elements together but then that's about it mm -hmm. parking lot autocross after that yeah they didn't have it for very long but i went to uh back in end of 2016 i went to uh uh so uh southwest louisiana you know um so we uh, um yeah at uh, uh, event they had on that taxiway right. out at the airport yep. yeah that's yeah I went to we and that was wild which because i mean it was it was big and it was a huge long taxiway with this little like teardrop off the side of it so it was a pretty right. wild autocross it was essentially you know a a nine you know it was, it was like 75 seconds of slaloms and offsets <laughs> yeah um yeah. <laughs> but i mean it was great practice yeah if you hadn't figured it out at the end of that day you might not get it <laughs> yeah basically <laughs> and they used I, to uh, but but it was like Oh man, they had the paint lines because a taxiway. Right. Yep. So like you like turn it like one side of the one of the one side of the slalom had great grip. The other side you're going across the paint line, so the <laughs> grip was inconsistent. It's like, man, this is just <laughs> yeah, it gets sketchy. That car is in the right. grass on the regular. Yep. Yeah, I think we went yep. to one or one for sure. Maybe maybe two. Yeah. I think just I think we went to two. Maybe two. Yeah, because they had that other area mm -hmm. that wasn't the taxiway. Yeah, they had. Uh, they used also ran. They had a park, a big ramp area. They used to run in. Uh, got a hangar built into it. Um, I don't know if they were like. I think the last one we went to, they were running, uh, doing motorcycle tricks, in it. That was where they ran originally before a hangar was in it. It was a big site. Yeah. Then they had one that was about half that size, and then that one became a uh, laydown yard for some construction. And so then that's when they moved to the taxiway. Yep. They had they had to connect local. They didn't pay anything for that site. Okay. So that that's a, pretty. That's that's fantastic. Yeah, that was a good deal. So, and I think the FAA actually came in and shut it down with oh, any really? extracurriculars on the airport. I think it was an FAA deal more than just the airport. It's like uh, we got to get out of here. Yeah, that's kind of what I remember hearing, and I think that's. You know, I think it was just because the the way that I know there's a lot of rules about what they can like if they're getting federal money. Mm -hmm. There's a I think there's a lot of rules about what they are and aren't allowed to do on the on any part of the tarmac that's basically being you know federally subsidized more or less. Right. So I think that's kind of the way that that works. Yeah. Um, was so a, yeah, I, I had heard something similar. Yeah, it was a Boeing. Um, I think it was a Boeing avionics repair facility. KC 135s okay. there. So that was primarily what was flying in and out, just, I think, for radio maintenance. Got it. That, I'm sure that's definitely fed money involved with that. So. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So, yeah. They, we're running at uh, a Coliseum over there, a, a convention center thing. I think they lost that site. But they've got another one over in Lafayette, which is about an hour and a half past Lake Charles towards Baton Rouge. Yeah. Okay. And, yeah. Uh, they had an event there last weekend. I didn't make it, but everybody seemed to like the site and it was satisfactory. So it was, it was that's funny because I went to uh, my uncle's house in Lafayette <laughs> yep. for, for my it? grandmother's 96th birthday. Oh. Gotcha. Happy birthday, grandma. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I keep up, I've been following, I follow along with, cause like I'm, I joined all the Louisiana groups, all the Texas groups, like even West Texas region back when I was the, they don't longer call it the, you know, the division solo steward. It's called the solo this ever since 
I started doing this back in 20, I want to say it was 2017 or 16 I started doing this, but I started, I was the solo development coordinator for the division. So I was basically the, mm -hmm. the, the division solo steward. And so I started kind of, kind of keeping, you know, poking my head in on what was going on in all the groups, trying to circulate fast tracks when I saw them, trying right. to, trying to get people just to be aware of what was going on. And because people love to complain, you know, auto, I mean, we're autocrossers. We love to complain, um, <laughs> right. you know, yeah, I, and, and uh, Google Jen, I saw you were. Uh, I didn't realize you were the, that the solo steward for that Southwest division. And uh, yeah, I, I saw not that. anymore. And, now these days, uh, it got pawned off. Um, beginning of 2020 to uh, Matt uh, Peck out of uh, who is actually who's runs with um, the road trip race teams, Texas folks, uh, autocross club out of Austin area. So he, okay. he is now the Southwest division, uh, solo development coordinator. And so, uh, he is the right guy for it. I have, frankly, I don't have an SCCA membership anymore. I let mine lapse this year because I didn't see myself even getting to four SCCA events this year. Mm -hmm. So I was just like, that's kind of the five, I think five events paying weekend membership is the, is the break breakover point. And I was like, I can't with confidence say I'm going to, because <laughs> right. I've, yeah. I've already seen, uh, I've seen a draft of what the grid life schedule looks like for next year. Uh -huh. And that is my primary focus right now. Cause I've got the fit in full spec prep. Plus I've got one lap on the calendar too. And grid life is going, uh, there is, I'm not going to go into specifics because, uh, it's not my place, but I do know that there is a lot of talk about some more stuff happening on the East Coast next year. Um, that's you know, like a that. lot of people know that. That's pretty pretty public rumor mill. Mm -hmm. That's probably our, been, uh, that's one of probably our partners. Been, F that's probably been requested ahead, for a, no problem. That's probably been requested for a while too, because they kind of run a lot of Midwest yeah regions. You know, that with yeah, the occasional I mean, occasional jaunt whole, out east and occasional jaunt west. It's, yeah, because that's uh, yeah. just looking that, in. That's what I was about to say. I feel like it's mostly the Midwestern people doing the grid lives. Mm -hmm. The the home office for grid life is on the north side of Chicago. The guys who founded the series are out of Chicago on the north and south side. Right. It is a Midwest organization. I mean, the entire heartbeat, you know, the entire core of the organization is based in the Midwest. You know, there are people who do come from all over. More and more Texas guys uh, are starting to kind of make their way up there. We had um, Derek Yarbrough from the Austin area ran in the past. Uh, now they've got now Eric Jensen from the DFW area is headed up there. He's got a, a, a LS swapped uh, twin mm -hmm. in GLTC, which is super cool. You know, we're seeing more and more, you know, thorns come up from Oklahoma now uh, for drift stuff more than anything. Um, mm -hmm. He's doing a ton of because I don't know if you guys follow anything with what he's doing. He's doing tons of drift stuff. But it's yeah, it's a Midwest based organization. Um, but like our, our biggest the biggest partners at Grid Life are like Falcon Tire, FCP Euro. But FCP Euro has a tie in now uh, with Lime Rock Park. That's the, the big rumor mill is that we're headed that Grid Life's headed to Lime Rock Park next year. So I'm super excited about that. Lime Rock is one of my favorite tracks on the planet. Right. Um, it's just, it's really cool, old school. It's, yep. you know, they call it the bull ring because, you know, if your car right, has any turn. semblance of horsepower, you're turning. <laughs> it's lots of left turns, uh, but you're turning 60 second laps. I mean, yeah. they come fast right. and it's super cool. I love that track. Yep. We did a few uh, NASCARs on Lime Rock and that was fun in iRacing. Did the trucks there. That yeah. sounds like it's rowdy. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a hoot. Yeah, and I yeah. race. I did the uh, the trucks there one time. That was ridiculous. Yeah, 
Because it's, I mean, the, the truck. Wait, oh, the, wait, the NASCAR trucks or the jumpy trucks? NASCAR trucks. And you got to try it with the jumpy trucks. Yeah. Which might as well have wood for brakes. Right. Um, yeah. You know, I tried to do the Daytona. Um, mm-hmm. I drained the Daytona NASCAR road course with the big old chicane that they set up, you know, before start finish. And I would come in and start to brake and I'm like, stop, please stop. Please stop, truck. Luck. Your braking zone's way back, and it's yeah. like, oh, okay. This is why. This is why this. Uh, this is why this exists. Right. You but know, it's but like. That, but that truck's so slow, though. If you just cut, if you just skip the chicane, you'll probably finish out the penalty before you got to the next turn, anyway. So <laughs> you never really, you don't really lose that much time. That's the beauty of it. There's so much great serious racing to be had. There's so much bad serious racing to be had. Mm-hmm. And there is so much great shenanigans racing to be had. I love some of the stuff that 24 Hours of Lemons does in there. I ran, uh, I'm waiting for it for it to spin back up this winter, but um, I ran a Wednesday night league last winter where we, we ran the ring every every Wednesday and it was a different car. Mm-hmm. Later, as we got later into the winter, we started changing it up. And so we had one night where it was jumpy trucks and um, the skip barbers um, and going yeah. down, uh, going up the hill to Sabine's corner. Something happened between two of the skippies and I'm running. I'm running way behind them. I'm running behind them in the jumpy truck. And all of a sudden, a skippy spins out and is facing back up the track toward me in the middle of the track. And I just hit it. La- and I just. I can't do anything because I'm in the jumpy truck. It doesn't right. turn worth a darn. Right. Uh, and I just hit the skippy and I'm just gone. I'm just <laughs> airborne and straight off. You know, it's just yeah. like, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like, like the, and that driver's dead. <laughs> yeah. It's like the, uh, dinner with racers did it at, uh, I think at Bell Isle at the jumpy trucks and the, uh, the G, uh, GTP cars. Uh-huh. They were the ramp cars. I drove oh, one of the ramp cars. Yep. So you just drive the thing backwards around the track. You can't go backwards on the track, but you can run it in reverse. <laughs> and uh, so you just set up there, and it would like those, the trucks would jump over some of those bridges. They'd clear them. The game, the game wouldn't kick them out when they got above the bridge. It would come back down on the other side. Um, oh my gosh, that's wild! Yeah. Oh, there's a, and they yeah. would have just just ridiculous mix of vehicles that tracks that just didn't make any sense speaking of uh weird cars on the ring there's a uh youtube video of a guy doing a lap of the ring in gran turismo three or four in a with the uh, mercedes yeah with the the motor wagon the patent <laughs> wagon or whatever yep. it's called it's and just, it doesn't have the horse and i remember it doesn't have the horsepower to get up the hill right to the sabine corner so he's like he has to do like a 99 point turn, like <laughs> up the hills. Like it, it's like, we're going to go six inches up 99 point turn six inches further up again. It's like this giant, awful switchback. I don't even, I, I like, he sped it up yeah. significantly and it still is like a 20 minute video or something stupid. Yeah, like I it's, the, I think the table lap time was like 12 hours or something. <laughs> I wouldn't have that kind of commitment to approval point. Yeah, some people have nothing but time. Apparently, and uh, in Forza, I was I would always just uh, sim the um, the endurance races that were like an hour, two hour long. Mm -hmm. I just hired a driver for that. I did that when I first started playing Gran Turismo as a kid. I would go to my buddy's house and we would do that a ton. You know, because I I I loved cars as a kid, but I wasn't you know I and I played you know like the original Need for Speeds and other stuff, but. 
you know, the Gran Turismo stuff was, was hard as a kid and I didn't have it. You know, I just had the Need for Speed stuff on a GameCube. And so I had a buddy who had Gran Turismo 4 and we would hire the sim driver to drive and win us, win us, a, win us a car. We would, we would sell it to go buy something cool out of the used car lot to customize, you know, yeah. just, you know, yeah. to go play with. And, oh man, I can't believe it's, it's wild. You know, that was 15, you know, 15 years ago what we were doing, you know, plus through the years we're doing that. And now we're just getting ready to have GT7. So I only, you know, they take their sweet time. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, did you ever so. play any of the uh, Tokyo Extreme Racer games? No. Those were like my favorite racing games growing up. Because they're just okay. so different from, they're so wildly different than anything else we had at the time. Because it was like, they were like racetrack based or just like street? It's like street, street racing, driving, like but, driving. but it had a health like it had health bars. Huh. So like you would get in front of your opponent and their health bar would go down. And the further in front of them you got, the faster it go down. But if you also like ran into another car or uh, the barrier or something, right. that would take away your health as well. And it was all on the uh, the Wangan Highway in Japan, mm-hmm. in Tokyo. Okay. So it was like the whole highway system. I have seen... Um Somebody did, uh, I think it's called the Shakuto Revival, but somebody, uh, there's a group of modders for uh, a set of Corsa who created the whole Wangan, you know, Wangan system. I know a bunch of the grid life guys got together a couple times this uh, winter and they just went and did a free for all, you know, just drives and everything else. It was just, it was super, like, it was just, just they wanted to take a departure from the super serial iRacing stuff. Right. I I think I'm in in the grid life group on the Facebook. Um, and I think that, I think I did this, they like the street stocks and I think I did the street stocks at Laguna Seca, which means that if you go in just a tad too hot into the corner, the thing rolls over. <laughs> and, yeah, that was like, that's like what you're managing because it doesn't have enough power to spin out necessarily. Uh, it'll go, it'll get going fast enough. You know, it handles terrible enough that, you know, it's a little bit mushy all uh, everywhere, but <laughs> until it flips. Um, I watched that uh, one thing they did the the figure eights with the uh, Miatas on iRacing I think uh, Rick was in there and some other people the cat they did a cat my favorite one was they did a cat and mouse which was you had a teammate and both your cars were the same colors and the way it worked was one of you was in an LMP2 and the other one was in an ND in the cup car and it was whoever's <laughs> cup car got across the line first uh, wins. And mm-hmm. there was no rules on the LMP2. So it was just like this all out brawl of people just of LMP2s just spearing. And it was really that road Atlanta. So it was just this all out brawl of LMP2s spearing Miatas all over the track. It was just, and there was no damage, of course. Right. You know, so it was just like you come off. over the hill. Oh, man. <laughs> so. I'm sure that was the intent of the uh, game when it was done by the creator. They're yeah. like, yeah, we'll put, uh, Absolutely. we'll have them, you know, jumping trucks off of GTP cars for fun and, you know, <laughs> putting these two ends of the spectrum vehicles together and stuff. It's, well, I mean, the, it's a good what was time. it? They put up Mount Washington Hill Climb and it wasn't like, it wasn't but what, two or three days later? And somebody had already done um, a soapbox derby with the Formula Vs <laughs> down the mountain. 
Like, they, they somehow figured out how to get multiple Vs on the mountain at once, and they did a soapbox derby down the mountain, and it was just survive, you know? Wow. <laughs> yeah. Just And that's the that's one of the things I love is just, like, iRacing has has embraced some, like, yeah, they're still a serious race server, but, like, mm-hmm. they, they, they've given, uh, they've built it up and, you know, put it together in such a way that some of the shenanigans can be encouraged and can be done and it can be fun. It's a good time. Right. Yeah. yeah it's, I, like, it's like, there's enough simulation to it, you know, for the kind of the hardcore serious folks and the, in the wheel to wheel racing is the best in any of the games. Graphics, it's all debatable, yep. but the wheel to wheel racing part of mm-hmm. it is the best in all of, out of all of them. Well, the, the but else, then you got enough, you know, just hacking and air quotes, the game to, uh, you know, just for the ridiculousness of it. Yeah. You know, yeah. So you can coast a Formula V down a hill. Man, they have some pretty ridiculous mods for a set of courses, too. Yeah, but that one's kind of an open environment almost like that. I mean, nobody's getting yeah. into iRacing from the outside. What do yeah. you mean? The iRac- it's all from the inside on the iRacing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. iRacing's expensive, but the beauty of it is that unlike a set of Corsa, you know, where a set of Corsa, the world's your oyster when it comes to you know what modding's out there and available you know because like i don't know if either of you are aware of the two drinks tuesday discord and uh racing uh as a set of course a league like every tuesday and i think now they're doing thursdays too they get together and they'll race something truly oddball and you've got to be you know the whole thing is get drunk and we're all going (laughs) to get together and sim race and they have a you know there's a discord chat where everybody's in and they've raced the the V10 sounding Amazon boxes. They've raced the a dude in a recliner. They uh, uh, they've done the Bluesmobile. I think I'm I'm in there. I haven't run with them, but like on Tuesday and Tuesday, it's just a, it's conflicted with something else I've been doing. Right. But I'm always watching what they're up to because it is always shenanigans, and I love it. Uh-huh. But they're always up to something funny. And like they were talking about Suzuki Altos before and like they they run all sorts of funny little things. And it, it's it's just you name it for an idea and they'll get it, you know, and then they'll they might run something once and they'll go, That was neat, but wouldn't it be funny if we gave it like another hundred percent more horsepower? You know, what would happen <laughs> if we doubled the horsepower of this thing? You know, uh, how much of a death machine can we make it into? Oh, uh there is <laughs> a uh, I found a mod for the um, Blue Falcon or whatever it is from uh, F-Zero. And yep. you, you would uh, hit the accelerator, and then about five seconds later, your tire warning came on. Because the tires got so hot because it was going so fast that they just disintegrated. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> they, uh, they also have, like on that set of course, they got an autocross deal on it where you can yeah. set cones and yeah, stuff. Yeah, I got that one. Yeah, that I, it's the, when I did it, it's just kind of cumbersome it's, to do. Yeah, but I'm not an expert on this set of course. Yeah, so. it's um the mod tool is kind of I'm trying to think of the word um wonky. Mm-hmm. You just it, the controls are it's not intuitive, right? So yeah. I mean, go figure. It's all it's all open source. You know, no yeah. nobody is like yeah. It's yeah. the only downside. Yeah, my gripe with this set of course uh, is. I guess the lack of support for finding setups on the cars. Cause I'm not interested in being a car engineer, but I'd like yep. to handle it. I like it to handle to where it doesn't try to kill me. Yeah. They have you a, know, I was like, I don't need it to be, I'm not looking for the winning setup. I just need a better than a baseline. I mean, there's, so it'll stay on the track. um, 
I have the it's set up database something. It's a mod you can get. And then you're like, okay, I'm doing this car on this track. Let me look and see if they have any. Mm-hmm. And I mean, not everything's going to have a setup, but. Right. But I mean, enough people drive it though to where there's got to be some kind of repository somewhere of yeah. these things. I, I mean, in iRacing, you can find a setup for most everything. Right. Even the cup cars, you know, the ovals and stuff. And those people don't talk about that at all. <laughs> but you can still find something that's better than baseline. Sure. Because if I run the open setups on those, I just think of the tires up to like max pressure and uh, send it. <laughs> so. Yeah. It's it, sim racing could be as serious as you want, or it can be as not serious. I mean, you've got everything from, you know, what did I race? Cause that Coca-Cola I racing NASCAR thing last night, the kid who, the guy who won said kid, the guy who won pretty sure he's an adult, uh, <laughs> won a hundred grand sim racing crazy i mean the people that have made it into like driving real life cars for for money i mean yeah. high cotter and stuff yeah. like that coming out of sim racing yeah. you know yep high cotter i mean high cotter got his um uh, gt academy gt thing. academy and got his yeah. nissan ride for years i mean mm-hmm. and just and that that's so wild mm-hmm. um it's just i mean sim racing has really and covid has just encouraged even that much more um, uh, yeah, because I got into, although, yeah, I got the iRacing probably 2015, I guess. And like on a weeknight, there might be 4,000 people on it on a weekend, yeah. on a weekend morning, maybe if there's a lot of people, it was like maybe eight, 7,000 or 8,000. Yeah. But then COVID it's like, yeah, like a Tuesday night and there's like 14,000 people on there. And it's like, this is crazy. It's like all these part-timers are just wrecking my <laughs> bandwidth on this deal. So, right. It's like yeah, I got out of Rookie Miatas and then you're right back in it at the yeah. next level. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there was a rash of people who, like, they got into sim racing and they went, nope. You know, like, I saw a bunch mm-hmm. of autocrossers who got, I saw a couple autocrossers who got in, sort of trying it. They went, nope, I can't, nope, this is not going to happen. Right. And just, there wasn't, they just couldn't. Well, it doesn't have In the, the past, like, 18 months, they've made a ton of changes to the iRacing tire model. Because, like, I started last November. In October, November, and they had just made a huge update to the tire model, and I went, "Oh, this is actually isn't awful." And I was told that it was because they would made it a lot better. And then they made the new update yeah. this year after I don't remember which pro driver it was who basically ripped, you know, tore them apart, you know, on a live stream or, or on television was basically like your tire model is garbage. That was uh, Fix it. yeah. I always yeah, felt like uh, it was shoot. Who was that? Oh. Uh, I think he drives the Army car, the Air Force Indy car. Connor Daly? Connor? Connor Daly? Might have been. I, no I, I, I don't he was know. Like, I, I wasn't privy to that, but yeah, was, somebody was on his, was on his, it. Yeah, it was on his Twitch stream. It was, it, they did a, a practice and, or a race, and he was just taking questions afterwards. I think they were running at Michigan. The Indy car, I think one of the teams, Penske or somebody, did the setup that everybody used, and they could adjust it a little bit from there, but it was basically a fixed setup for everybody. But he said, like, with the game, yeah, it's like as soon as the back end steps out, like, as soon as you realize, like, it's going, it's gone, and there's no saving it. But he said in the real life, you can hang the back end out way more than you can in the game. But he said as far as, like, like what you see on the tracks, like where the bumps are and the wall and the perspective of all of it, he said, oh, that's on the money. But he said that the tire model of it leaves a little bit to be desired. You know, relative to the real car. Yeah. But but then yep. but if you got in it 
uh, like in night, like last year on it, the cars were, were fairly drivable. Like when I started, like with the Miata, if you came into the turn too hot and tapped the brake and turned the wheel, you just spun out. Yeah. Or uh, blown motors was a regular thing. And I don't think I've seen a race with a blown motor in a, two years. You know, even on Miss Shift, yeah. you don't blow a motor. Yeah. But back then, it was right. barbecue in the pits. <laughs> Pretty regular. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they've, yeah, they've, they, I will give iGracing a lot of credit. They're, they're fixing a lot of, they're, they're fixing a lot of issues. Um, I mean, and there's still stuff that they haven't. Mm-hmm. Um, they're throwing, you know, of course, where are they throwing the most of their money this day? Well, it's where their money, it's where the money's coming in from, and it's NASCAR. You know, so, mm-hmm. you know, they've got, um, the super speedways now have side drafting, uh, as a, you know, is now a part of the models, um, the new, you know, the craftsman trucks, you know, not only is the window net there, it now moves when you're moving at speed, like they're going, they're adding more, you know, the, the damage models have all changed now and they've gone and added updates. Like they're really, they're they're not necessarily fixing everything that we want, especially the way that the game is, uh, running. It's still, you know, as um, a lot of friends of mine have said, who are a lot uh, more savvy about tech, you know, coding and everything else, they're like, it's just, they're like, it's coded like absolute garbage. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and they're like, it's written like absolute trash. That's just, they're, they're, they're limping along, you know, what's coming up on, you know, a 15 year old game engine. I mean, this is, they right. basically, you know, they, they, they had NASCAR racing, you know, 2003 uh, season. And they took parts of that, and that's its own. I mean, that was something I got exposed to last year. That's its own whole other part of sim racing. There's a bunch of people who run that legacy because it's all, you know, you can get it, you know, free on the internet. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it, it's, you know, basically iRacing light. They've people yeah. who have put texture packs and such on it. And yeah, it even goes further back than that because the iRacing yeah. guy had the uh, Papyrus. Yep. Uh, it was like, IndyCar for I can't remember what the name of it. Uh, was. Yeah, GT uh, GT Legends. Yeah, yeah, let yeah, yeah. GT Legends is Papyrus. I think was the company name. Yeah, but that's the same. That's the iRacing guy now. Right. So you're going back to what, like '98, something like that. I think '97. Oh, I think they go back. They go. They can go back. I think they go even earlier into the '90s than that. But yeah, so. yeah I mean, it's. I think the Papyrus goes way way. Back. I think they did yeah. something else that was completely unrelated. Yeah. A middle line, middle area in there between making it between the simulation part of it and the gaming part of it, because if you alienate all the Forza guys, that's cutting down a, a revenue stream, and mm-hmm. like, and if you alienate everybody who doesn't just want to drive around free form area and run over pedestrians and other cars <laughs> and street race it, that would get old to me after a little while. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my hand twitched <laughs> while I had oh. my phone. Is that Forza, the, 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 uh, the Forza comment did that? Yeah. You like spazzed out a second or what? <laughs> <laughs> hit, me, hit me where it hurt. Oh. As a Forza guy. Yeah. That's where I really started for me was I started playing. Forza was when I really started kind of to play more and more. I got uh, Forza 2 in high school and then when I bought a first three, so I bought a 360. It was my first, you know, first gaming console I paid for myself. You know, my parents had given my brother and I a GameCube in like, you know, oh two or oh three, something like that. And then um, my, I got, I bought myself a 360 in 2006. 
got Forza 2 after that, and then Forza 3 came out when I was in college in 09, and then Forza 4, and Forza 3, I started playing on Friday nights with a large group of people, including one of my uh, best friends from, uh, one of my good friends from high school, uh, Max, and that turned, and he, that turned into more and more and more, we played all the time, and then, like, a lot of the times, like, I went to college in Maine in a dry on a dry campus, um, and I didn't have a car, you know. And the closest McDonald's was 18 miles away, you know. I wasn't going anywhere most mm-hmm. weekends, so I ended up playing a ton. Uh, once I was allowed to, I went to a pseudo military college. Once I was allowed to have a television and an Xbox on campus, <laughs> my sophomore year, I started playing a ton of Forza Four and Forza Three, just tons and tons of that, and still, and just I have so many just great memories from back then but that was kind of my gate i did that for a while and then for a variety of reasons got out for years and then last year decided i was like okay i had told myself at the end of 2019 i was like watching all the grid life iRacer stuff that had been taken off for the past year or two mm-hmm. i said you know what i really want to get in on this next year so i want to build a sim rig over the course of 2019 well then of course covid happened and so that started kind of it just it just made me want more Right. I was like, all right, well, I got to get a computer together and everything else. And then it uh, turned out um, my friends, Justin and Laura Harbor out of the Austin area, uh, my friend Justin, as well as a bunch of other people from the Texas Spokes uh, Autocross Club, uh, work at Dell Alienware in Austin. Mm-hmm. I posted about, you know, I was getting ready to build a PC. And one of my friends reached out and was like, hey, you know, <laughs> building a PC you, is great. And if it's what you want to do, before you do just anything, a heads up, <laughs> I'll give you my employee discount code. Oh, shit. Right. So basically, I was able to buy, you know, a, an Alienware PC. And I'm on there. I happened to work the timing out right that Dell was given. A, you know, Dell had a crazy discount code that day that I bought last June. And then I got the employee discount on top of that. You know, and I'm like, damn, I'm going to have to drop, you know, $1,800 with tax on this really, you know, this big tower PC. And then, uh, you know, I'm like, man, right. Oh, man, this is a really big thing. And then, you know, Dell's like, would you like 0% interest for 18 months? And I'm like, yeah, 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 sure. Are you telling me I can (laughs) buy this now and it doesn't cost me anything? Sure. (laughs) It's a very, very dangerous way. They're hoping that you'll just pay the minimum payments and they can collect the interest, of course. But Yeah, I, that's I ended what I ended up doing, and I paid it off, paid it off a while ago, and ended up buying a gaming laptop as well, the same way. And I even got my little cousin a PC from their outlet earlier this year. There is, um, I, if you don't want to buy a PC, I figured out that there's a ton of deals that that show up on Alienware, Scratch and Dent, and refurbished site that you might get lucky on. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, everything's so crazy with COVID. Yeah. Like I have, I have my tower, and I've had it for a year. And I was like, well, it came with a year of warranty and I just spent like, I thought it was like 80 bucks and I extended the warranty for another year because if my graphics card craps out, you know, I, I, I'm not going to be able to get another one. Right. So you'll spend what you spent on the pill thing. Yeah. Basically. So yeah, I did. uh, And that's, yeah, I'd want to add the upgrade like that. I just did the uh, Ford entertainment group off of the uh, Facebook group. He runs some, uh, does built PCs and whatnot. And I just got like a basic one, like $600 one. Mm-hmm. And, uh, mm-hmm. had it, and it was, it ran iRacing racing fine. It, he had all that installed on it, you know, when he sent it to me. I just like doubled the RAM in it and added a RX 580. 
yeah, card to I, it. I built, I built mine in 2019 to, to play Cyberpunk. Cyberpunk came out, my PC could run it, and I'm like, all right, great. Good to go, huh? Yeah. Yep. yep. And I ended up way over buying last year because I was planning on buying like something with like maybe a 2060 or a 2070 Super. Mm-hmm. Then when I figured out that the de- there was an additional discount from Dell and the one that my buddy was giving me, I was like, oh, I can go way overkill on this rig. So mm-hmm. I ended up getting a, 39, a Ryzen 3900 and a 2080 Super. So basically this PC is good for a while. Yeah. Right. You know. I got it. I got it. I got it. <laughs> it's like. I thought I had a 2070 for a while, but I actually had a 2080. <laughs> and I completely forgot about it. Because so I was talking to someone about being able to run something. And I was like, yeah, I've got a 2070. And then I looked at the uh, specs and I was like, oh, shit, I got a 2080. Yeah. Well, I think I paid, yep. I think that RX 580 card I got, I want to say I paid 250 bucks for it it's or something bad. like yeah. two years ago. But they're like, 300 used now they're definitely they're, they're, they're more than i paid for a like new that. one it's mm, crazy for a used one because mike tate had one that he's like he's like you need a video card i was like and i got a rx4 rx580 and he's like that's what this is and i thought about it but i kind of just ebayed them just to see what the ballpark yeah going rate was on it like 300 bucks and i'm like ooh, no so like i'm into watches too and like Rolexes have just like skyrocketed mm-hmm. in pricing and uh, a lot of the other high end stuff. But like I was uh, back in 2019, I went to a jewelry show with my parents and they were selling a Rolex and it was like seven grand. And I was like, man, I really want it, but that's a lot of money and I don't want to spend that much money. I can't really justify spending that much money. But like now that same watch is like double the price. Yeah. So I kind of bought it. All and these saved yeah. it and then made my money back. <laughs> well, two years ago, I could have bought a twelve hundred dollar Miata that was running, and now you can't get a roller for that. Yeah. So, like the with the Sunday Cup cars, we've got like the I'm I paid I bought my fit off my dad last year. And I paid him like I was like I he and I agreed on three grand was fair, hmm. and then the the taxes had changed in Illinois and whatnot, so I ended up giving him more to help kind of boost their ability to get another car. And, uh, I so I ended up giving him 4,500 bucks for the fit. And I'm like, I overpaid and like, and like, I, cause I ended up, I've dropped so much money on parts doing small stuff in the past year, just cause like either little things have gotten damaged or we've been doing maintenance on one thing, something else breaks, uh-huh. or I've just done things as a preventative measure just cause I don't want it to become an issue. Like I had one axle start uh, seeping grease at the CV uh, on the outside at the hub. Right. And so I was like, you know what? Let's replace them both. Yep. So I swapped them both. You know, so I got two, you know, so I got two new axles from CarQuest and uh, Advanced Auto. I ended up when I did extended studs on the car, uh, the wheel speed sensor, one of them wouldn't come out. And then one of the other, uh, and it's like my buddy was trying to like be nice to it. And it was just straight up frozen. Mm-hmm pull out what came out and then drill out the, you know, what was left of the sensor (laughs) in the hole, you know, and just so that was a, and so I ended up doing both wheel speed sensors on the car. So I've like, I've done, did the lower control arms and everything. So I paid four and a half grand for this fit and I've dumped, you know, God, $1,500 in replacement parts at it since, um, just maybe that, maybe like a grand parts. Yeah. But I would, I would have paid that this year. Yeah, well, like in fairness, you know, if you're just driving a thing back and forth to the grocery store, you probably would have been okay. 
way. Yeah. But <laughs> I have been beating the ever living. I mean, I bought That's a, a set of Falcons last year before Road America. And that's the beauty of Sunday Cup cars. It doesn't, it doesn't care. Now that I've got everything in good working order, it, it takes yeah. an absolute beating and does not care. Right. It is. I bought a set of RT660 205s before I went and did Road America. When the car was basically, I did, I put track day spec, tra, uh, power stop track day spec pads on it because they, they were, they came in the Honda Fit size and they were 65, 70 bucks mm-hmm. off Rock Auto. So they showed up next day, bought, and then I basically threw the Falcons on with some tires and some wheels I got from cheap for cheap. And I went and did Road America, I had a ball last year. And then I got home because, of course, I'm a, I'm a crazy autocrosser. I'm like, 200 trip wear tires. You know, these barely have any, these are barely have any use on them. So they've got to live in the air conditioning all winter <laughs> because they must be saved for next year, you know? Right. And so I say they, they stayed in the, they stayed inside all winter out of the UV, out of everything. I got to this season. I have gotten enough track time and sessions out of them that I lost count in, in like the beginning of August. Cause I did, um, since I bought the car or since I, since I bought the car, I did, five sessions at road five or six sessions at road america last year i did um a couple on hbde and then a couple on time attack and then this year i had i went in and did the beville tour and then i was like all right i'm gonna go do track day picnic at blackhawk farms then i'm gonna go do spring kickoff at gingerman come back texas for a bit go back up do autobahn and then i'll come back for the rest of the summer and i'll have done three grid lives and it'll have been awesome and then I'm at Autobahn, and my buddy's like, "Hey, uh, you want to come instruct at Pike's Peak? I need a couple more. Inst- I need a couple more instructors. You want to come?" And I'm like, "Sure, I'll come to Pike's Peak too. Let's make it work." <laughs> and so I'm like, "So I then did Pike's Peak in the middle of you know at the later part of July. Pike's Peak. My buddy's like, uh, you should come up to Mid Ohio too." And I'm like, "Well, I don't got anywhere to stay, but you know, I'm like, it's a it's a really long drive, you know, from San Antonio to get up there because I live in downtown San Antonio." And it's a really long drive all the way up, you know, to the to the Columbus area to get there. Right. And I'm like, I don't, I'm like, I don't know, man. My buddy was like, Well, you're working from home. I'm like, Yep. I'm like, That's how I made this whole thing work in Chicago. And he's like, Well, come crash at my place week before and after. And then you can come up and do Mid Ohio. And I'm like, Don't got to tell me twice. <laughs> so I went up and then did Mid Ohio and instructed there. And then yeah. ended up going to stand with another buddy in Detroit for a week in in August. Uh, then went and crashed with my parents for a couple weeks again, end of August, beginning of September, and went and did, uh, instructed a Friday SCCA. Basically, there's a SCCA Ohio Valley region will hire, basically hires grid life, you know, hires in quotation, mm-hmm. uh, gets grid life to come out uh, and be the instructors for a Friday HPDE session they have during test and tunes ahead of a race weekend. Right. And so I got to go out there with another, with about a about dozen other guys, and we had a blast. Because we had a, there was an intermediate had like I think like fifteen, like had like at like twenty cars in it. Beginner was just our twelve guys, and we had lost two cars by lunch already. Because there was a Subaru that uh, that blew a hole that uh, started knocking on track, and we pulled him off. And do. then somebody else was overheating, like you know, somebody else was overheating, and somebody else was losing brakes. So by lunch, we had lost, you know, we we had already lost two cars, mm-hmm. two three cars. And then uh, the instructors, not all the instructors, had a car. And so I think the advanced group started the day with 13, 14 cars on it for twenty minute sessions at Mid Ohio, and we ended the the afternoon, the second to last session of the afternoon. Uh, there was me and my buddy James and our fits, and I. Th- 
and we were running nose to tail around mid Ohio, having a ball chasing each other around. <laughs> and I think there might've been two other cars on mid, mid Ohio around the toll track with us for sure. our session. In a fit, and then, in a fit, well, in a fit at mid Ohio, you probably just leave it on the floor and just have to break a couple times. Huh? Yeah. So grid life runs the, I don't know what the, the two, um, the two courses, you know, the two different variations are called. So, Ohio, we run turn one down to, um, it's technically four with the chicane. Um, but we ran, we run all the way down the front straight to, um, I can't remember the name of the corner now and I'm, I'm hating myself for it. Um, hang on a second. I actually have the map in front of me. Hilariously. Because I pulled it out of a bag. As I was saying, so we run down to keyhole. Right. So we go, we go run, we go from one, run the straight all the way down to keyhole. Okay. Then you go down around the back straight past the, the club racing start line down into China beach, up over madness, down through six, up through, uh, under the Honda bridge at seven. Uh, and then you turn right into eight, a uh, little tap of the brakes in the fit. And then you're throwing it into nine, uh, pointing between two trees down the back straight through Thunder Valley, uh, coming up to the carousel. Uh, you come up the hill through 11 and you make that left hander up the hill. I ran it in the early part of August without a rear sway bar on the fit. I have a, I've had a disconnected front sway bar all spring mm-hmm. and through the majority of the summer and through the whole summer. I don't have a, I cut the front sway bar out of the fit because um, that was what the guy I bought my coilovers from recommended. He's been a shameless from Taylor Chassis Solutions. Right. So it just I just have the solid rear beam in the back. Um, but the car still pushed a good bit. Um, now I have a progress sway bar that bolts onto the beam to help stiffen it up. And when I ran it with grid life, turn 11 was basically, full, you know, I did a little bit of a break into 11 and then it was full and then it was, and I was flat now with the rear sway bar, the rear end wants to, if you're not careful coming with how you turn into 11, mm-hmm. the rear end wants to kill you. Right. The rear end wants to come around. And I actually had a buddy who, uh, Last session, like second to last or last session of the weekend with Grid Life, came up 11, and uh, the he caught. I don't know. I can't remember what exactly happened, but he basically he turned in for 11, and the right rear caught the dirt, and it spun him across straight into the tire wall Oof. on the uh, on the inside going. You know, it's it's inside coming out coming through 11 and it's the outside exiting you know going into 12 and he got thrown around in the tire wall and wrinkled up his fit um you know blew out the blew out the airbags on the side of the car and then we actually had earlier in the weekend we had uh tony uh buddy with a mazda 2 he uh was chasing kyle into turn one Mm -hmm. beginning of that's Sunday. I remember it was. I think I can't remember if it was Saturday or Sunday. It was. I think it was Sunday. Yeah, it was. It was, it was Saturday morning, and Kyle was chasing. Uh, Tony was chasing Kyle through turn one, and Kyle dropped the top, dropped the uh, right sides in the dirt right on the exit of one. Tony was. Tony came up, and there was a big dust cloud because it was really dry, and so we were kicking up dust anytime you went off. And Tony couldn't get a good visual on where the end of the track was, so he went all the way out right rear caught and he got thrown into the um inside tire wall at one on the exit of the turn really hard Uh and kyle's car was when he spun at 11 was salvageable like they just they just went put new fenders and a new headlight in it and it was they put two new doors on it too and it's it's been fine uh but tony's car hit the wall so hard in turn one 
the entire front subframe was like the whole front subframe and front clip was canted. You know, the whole thing was canted. Like his, there's a photo from the back seat of Tony's car looking at the driver's seat and the driver's seats at like a 30 degree angle to the right. The entire oh. back of the seat is bent from the impact with the wall. Jeez. Yeah. yeah so he had a, you know, so he was, concu- you know, he was, con- he, had a, he was concussed and what was I like 150 feet behind Tony, maybe 200 feet, 200 feet behind Tony. I had just passed uh, my buddy Dusty on past start finish and he pointed me to the inside at turn one. So I came in a little bit cool. I know I didn't come in super, super hot. Mm-hmm. I also never got to the point at mid Ohio where I was comfortable being flat through turn one. Never got to that point, right. which is the, which is how you're truly fast in the fits there is you have to exit the carousel and you have to be foot to the floor until you get to the keyhole. That is the only, that is how you, that is the, that is the fast way to take it in the fit is you do not lift for turn one. That's where, that's where the lap time's at. Huh? And it is, that's, that's really, that's where the lap time's at. Any of these big tracks with any of those, you know, big cojone corners, that is like the kinky road America is the same thing. Mm-hmm. And so, but basically uh, I was behind Tony and so I have video of watching you say the left side of my video, looking out the front of the windshield, you can see Tony as I'm coming under the bridge in turn one, you can see Tony going to the dust cloud. And then I just see the car spin and I go, Oh no. Oh no. And it's, I see the car slide across and slam into the wall. Once I see it slam into the wall, I'm in the same, du- I'm in the bigger dust cloud that Tony's now kicked up. Right. So I'm in a days of thunder moment. I can't see mm-hmm. anything. So I'm like, and so I've slowed way down. Like I had lifted off completely off the throttle when I, when I saw what was going on with Tony, cause I was trying to figure out, okay, where am I going to have to go? Like what's going on? Right. And then of course I drive into this dust cloud and I can't see anything. And I've slowed down to 20, 25 miles an hour and still nearly hit Tony. Cause he was concussed from the wall hit. The car was rolling cause he hadn't got his foot on the brake mm-hmm. to hold it. So as he had hit the wall so hard, and so I'm, you know, so we're, I'm flipping out, we get an immediate black flag and we all get brought back in. And, you know, then we get a, we, we all have got a, we've got a big Sunday cup group text and, uh, on Facebook messenger and Tony comes in and he's like, I'm all right, guys, yada, yada. We're all like, all right, cool. So the yeah. rest of us all then went back out, finished the session. Then we all came back in to talk to Tony. And yeah. amazingly the day before he had just, he had gotten the track day insurance or it was like the right before the weekend started, he had decided to get the track day insurance. Cause he was like, I want to be able to send it and mm-hmm. send it with confidence. Right. So he had, he had insured the fit, the, the, the two property. And I can't remember if he did it through locked in or Haggerty. Um, just an FYI to anybody who does do the track day insurance, those folks don't, they're, you know, they're the face of the policy, but they actually shop it out. You know, they don't actually okay. underwrite the policy itself hmm. necessarily. Gotcha. So like Tony ended up, his policy was through somebody else and they ended up being really cool to deal with. And so he ended up getting, the car was totaled very, very quickly and uh, they ended up paying him out minus the deductible and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. But, um, yeah. you know, track day insurance is a, is a really powerful thing if you want to be able to send it, but you don't want to have to write your little car, you don't have to write off your car, especially if you're bringing something that's expensive. Yeah, that's probably so, worth a second, um, second or two allowed. No, <laughs> right. And the, I, have, I, have I mean, that's, that's auto, where I'm at in the fit. Yeah, I have the locked and autocross on mine. Uh, yeah. Because we do autocross down at NOLA. Yeah, they have all the arm coos around the track down there. Yep. And uh, around the skid pad where they do the drift and stuff. And uh, that's where they do the autocross. So I got yeah. it. And for my car, it was, I don't know, 
280 to 380 a year. Yeah, it's I'll probably gone know. down as the value right. of the car has gone down a little bit, and it covers two people, however many autocrosses yep. you want to do a year. So I was like, yeah, no, three hundred bucks a year because it's a super, much. it's a super, super low risk to them. Mm-hmm. But stuff does happen. I mean, I've seen, I yep. know, okay, you know, I've, I've in the past couple of years we've seen, you know, social media is making it. You know, these things have happened all, you know, like there's photos they of the rabbits the back time. in the, you know, there's they happen more regularly yeah. than you think. Yeah. And most of the time they're, you know, it's somebody new, you know, or a comp, you know, there's, there's something that's happened. And I, a lot of times I've seen it, it's somebody new because mm-hmm. I've seen a Volkswagen, I've seen a Volkswagen bug that had all the correct modifications that rolled, but it was a young kid because the thing tank slapped and he tried to catch it. Mm-hmm. I've seen things happen at solo Nats too. Like everything that, that can be done is done. And then the, you know, rain all of a sudden, takes all those stopping distances and throws them all out the window. Right. You know, so all of a sudden, you know, cars that should be able to make contact are because we've got, you know, you hydroplaning pools of water that make things worse. Right. So, yeah, like in uh, Granada with the cam cars just sliding out after finish. Yeah. Yeah. There was all sorts of crazy stuff. The, the Grenada autocross, that was a, that place was wild. I mean, we, I flew, I ended up doing a, a pretty wild fly and drive that weekend. I ended up flying. So I was in DFW at the time in 2019 and I ended up flying in on a puddle jumper. So turns out, uh, Greenville, Mississippi mm-hmm. is a, um, a part of this, um, subsidized service through the FAA where they don't have direct access to, you know, they're not close enough to a major airport. And so the FAA runs these subsidized puddle jumper flights out of DFW and other places. So I ended up taking, I ended up riding on like a, I think it was an, a six passenger little twin prop puddle jumper from the business jet terminal that's outside of security at DFW. It's like it's, its own separate little terminal within <laughs> DFW. It's actually next to the UPS freight terminal. Yeah. And I ended up dry, you know, I ended up, and it was like, like the private I think it was a hundred, I think it was a hundred bucks for this flight. I mean, it was dirt cheap because it's subsidized. You right. know, it, it's not the, the, you know, the, that, and it's, you know, it's not for people like me. It's for yeah. the folks who live, you know, who live there to be, have access to, you know, to DFW and other things to be able to get, you know, other places in the country. Mm-hmm. But I ended up flying in there. My buddy, uh, Donner, who was, he's the guy who runs the black Lotus Evora in B street. That's seen, that's, that's been seen on solo matters a bunch this year. Mm-hmm. Um, he, um, he came and picked me up and then uh, we went back, you know, and then I, uh, drove the, the Audi TT with Thomas in, uh, that weekend. And that was, which that's a phenomenal car. People love to people. Uh, there are some people who like to call it a cheater car and STH, but there's the all wheel drive and front wheel drive cars are pretty evenly matched in STH. Cause you can really do a lot with the, like the eighth gen, the 10th gen civic SI. Mm-hmm. But I, I loved that car in STH, especially for pros, because it was just pull up to the line, foot on the brake, plant your you know right foot in the floor, and your you know your left foot brake you know left foot's on the brake, right foot is planted in the floor, and you wait about five seconds, and then the motor spins up to a, like a little over three grand, and you just counting down the lights, you're waiting for the last yellow, and you re- then release the brake, and there's a little bit of give in the give in everything, mm-hmm. and then it just hooks and goes. Right. So much fun. I loved that thing for, for autocross. It was just a blast and it was all wheel drive, but it was front, was front biased. 
as opposed to the yeah. Subarus that have, you know, they can have the more rear bias. And the Audi yeah. was a definitively front bias car, so it drove like it was front wheel drive. Mm-hmm. But you stop the throttle coming out of a turn, and it would just stick and go. It was so great. Yeah, it's a pretty good all wheel drive system in it with that Haldex in the middle. Mm-hmm. Send the so. send the power front to back on it. I think that's the same setup as yeah. like the Golf R does. Yeah, it is, and that was the big reason why Thomas picked it. Is it's basically a Golf R in different clothing because the Golf R of that is that the six is that that's the Mark Six Golf R of that is in the STU, but the TT was in STH, mm-hmm. and the TT is not without it. You know, the, the TT is not, you know, it, it's not a perfect platform, and it's. Even, you know, we could have pulled a little bit more weight out of it, but the TT is never going to get under 3,000 pounds. Right. Whereas the 10th Gen Civic SI is, I think it's like 2890 is the curb weight of a 10th Gen Civic SI from the factory. Mm-hmm. The curb weight. Right. So all of a sudden we take, you know, you take three quarters of the fuel out of it and we're under 2,800 pounds and we haven't even touched wheels, tires, brakes yet. Or right. seats on the interior, and all of a sudden it's like you watch that weight number just start dropping. Yeah, I got a uh, so I got a seventeen GTI and GS, and it's got the uh, DSG and leather. Yeah, you know, the I performance love that pack. Box. So it's a you know it's a great daily, but when you're running against like you say with the Civics that are starting out three hundred pounds lighter and yep. get an inch more half inch more wider wheel, which is a lot more tire. Yeah. That tire is the, the big results, killer. Uh, I love the GTI with <laughs> DSG box. I enjoy it. Although I was talking good about it last night, and then today, coming home, I've gotten the. Uh, it's the second time it's done this that the uh, the EPC light will come on, not necessarily the check engine light, mm-hmm. but the EPC light, and then it'll just like sputter and die, and it won't start back up. Huh. So I just turned it off and sat for a minute, hit it, and it started up. So I don't. I think, and it didn't kick any codes. I don't know. I think it's with the direct injection. I think I might have some uh, valve fouling in it because mm. I haven't done any cleaning. I got 63,000 miles on it and I haven't done anything to it since 20,000 as far <laughs> as the valve cleaning goes. Yeah, yeah. So it might be time for another yeah, another blast or it. something. Yeah. Yeah. Just spray some seafoam through it and the, through the intake hole. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> call it good. Easy button. Yeah, right. It's aggravating when it does it, especially when I yeah, talk so good absolutely. about it. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and, like, and that's one of the wild things is that these, you know, direct injection. Like I, I didn't know that that now in Europe they're starting to throw. Uh, like we, we all know, you know, we, we know about diesel part, you know, we, we all know about the diesels with the big particulate filters on them and you know all the regen they've got to do and stuff on them and it's a pain in the butt and all the diesel guys hate them, but they're now starting to implement that in Europe. They're now starting to implement those same filters on gas direct injection cars because of the same issues the diesel has with the particulate matter that comes from the direct injection mm-hmm. is because an issue on the gas cars too and so now we're st- you know now we're starting to see you know a mix of port injection and direct injection to try and help mitigate that and there's just it, it is just wild just it, it's a it's an ever-changing game and then of course evs are taking you know the cost of a, I think I was reading an article the other day and it talks about, you know, the cost of batteries since 2008, so like 13 years, the cost of batteries has decreased by 88%. How about like with the Tesla and stuff, talk about like, oh, how much is it going to cost to replace the battery? And I think that, I think it's been a pretty proven deal in the meantime that that's not really a, 
issue for the longevity of the car. Right. Because a fender bender is going to total it in most cases. Right. I, I get so, so mad at people on Facebook who just come up with the most ridiculous reasons that EVs are bad. Like, Tesla is not my favorite company, but like... Agreed. The tech is there, and they're still... Yeah. What What is the issue of... I mean, that's what they sell, tech. Yeah. It's a passable car. I mean, it's arguably right. yeah. probably the worst built car. <laughs> but A lot of them certainly are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like when you get it, you just take it over to the uh, service center and get them to line the body panels and yeah. replace a glass panel in a lot of cases because it got cracked on the way over. Yeah. But I don't understand. I'm super excited for, it, for like but... Rivian and like the, I don't know if you guys have seen the Rivian R1T that they're rolling off the line in Illinois now. The fully electric truck that's, I think the mm-hmm. base model is like 315 miles of range. Right. And then the the fully loaded one's over four, like the, the top, like it's like there's another pack off. It's like 10 more grand. But it's just super, super cool. Like it's like they took the, they've looked at what the EV could be. And they said, they said, we can make it look like a truck. It can be conventional, it can do all sorts of cool stuff. But because we've got this giant electric battery pack on board, what else can we do? And so I don't, um, they have a, a full, it's like, a, I looked at the website, I think it's like a five or $7,000 option. There's a pass through behind the passenger compartment, mm-hmm. like under the bed, uh, in the truck. And you basically pop open the door on the side of the truck and you pull this whole rack out. And there's a whole kitchenette thing on this thing with a convection <laughs> stove. Top. And it's like, somebody like weaned in all the way and said, okay, big battery pack, you know, induction, you know, to me, induction, not convection, induction right. cooktop. And somebody said, okay, what can we, you know, we've got all of this. What can we do with it? You know, we've got all this battery power. What can we do with it? And it's just, I think it's so awesome mm-hmm. um, that somebody that, that, that that's the, the way things are going. And while we do rely on like coal for a lot of our energy, which is not, not the cleanest way to get it. You know, we see, Right. You know, we're seeing more and more investment in solar and wind. And like there's the biggest thing that's going on, like down in Louisiana now, is that, you know, Fushan and, and a bunch of these other uh, places that have been, you know, primarily servicing the oil industry are now going to start seeing wind turbine. Mm-hmm. Offshore wind is finally now take, becoming a thing. Uh, I went to Maritime College and they were talking about this back in 2009 and 2010. They were trying to figure out how do we improperly implement floating offshore wind platforms because in order to get the platforms far enough away that you can't see them and you can't hear them you got to get over the shelf right and which means at that point that they're not they can't be um they can't just be anchored at the you know they can't just be um yes. you know built onto the floor and right. so it's too deep so they had to be floating and they're finally getting over they're finally getting past all of those issues and so now that's the next big thing is all these big floating offshore wind platforms is going to become a thing in the in the Gulf. Yeah, a lot of that gets done overseas. Like at Denmark and stuff is a big manufacturing area mm-hmm. for that. It'll fabricate yep. a, a, a lot of that over here. The uh, I'm surprised also that we don't have more like uh, turbines like in the river. I mean, because the Mississippi, you know, here in Baton Rouge, it's probably quarter mile wide. Yeah. And probably, I don't know, 100 feet deep in the middle in the shipping channel of it and probably 20 feet deep everywhere else till it yeah until you get close to the levee right you know i mean that's a pretty steady uh steady current rolling through there right so you can there's a company called 
Ocean Renewable Power Corporation, ORPC, one of the guys I went to college with who was my senior, um, he went he went and worked for them a couple of times when we were in college. And they have a tidal, uh, they have a tidal energy turbine mm-hmm. that's uh, – you know, if you've seen those windmills that like they have the twist in them like a DNA strand, it looks like one of those and it's just underwater mm-hmm. and it sits and it spins. But one of the biggest things that's you know that you run into with that is the environmental concerns of well, what's that going to do to the wildlife? You know, that, that's the that's the biggest <laughs> same, pushback. Same thing as the windmills so, chopping birds in half. Too. Yeah, so get the so, occasional fish. Yeah, so they, they, and didn't, they, didn't they put some of those in the uh, like in the Hudson River or talked about it? They I might think? have. I I don't know for sure, so I, I can't comment. Yeah. But yeah, on that on that, you're not going to power like the city with something like that because you're just not going to have enough generating power. Yeah. But it's like you get enough of these enough of these deals to feed the grid it'll right. it'll add up and and the the different i mean coal is probably the cheapest way to make energy well anywhere but it's probably the cheapest way to make energy in kentucky and pennsylvania because it's right there yeah yeah or virginia it's right there solar is probably the cheapest way to make it in phoenix because the sun's right there <laughs> you know yeah and yeah. Yep. like the west texas with all the windmills and yeah southern california the palm springs area yeah, I didn't. I drove out yeah. there a couple of years ago, and I mean, you see them in the movies and stuff. You don't realize, you know, how big they are. And I've been to the port of Houston and seen the the blades, yeah, you know, sitting on the dock. Yep. This was before when you could get into the port with a driver's license. You know, it's just kind of like it's like, damn, those things are huge. Yeah, I've been driving. There's, there's one on a trailer, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that or one no, blade it was, uh, Yeah, it was on the. Uh, not on a trailer. It was on a train, actually. And then you like you'll see like they have to at at some point. You know, they get them off the train and they go last mile. I grew up in Illinois. It's actually where I'm at right now. So I, you know, so you, so we'd see, I remember growing up seeing the, you know, they'd have the, the lead car, the truck, and then a chase car. The truck's got, you know, the base of the, you know, the center point of the the center attachment of the blade Mm -hmm. and the tip is on this, you know, this drain or this drag behind trailer. Right. That's all, you know, this little tender that's being dragged along behind the truck. And it's just it's just this whole operation and then of course they're not really prevalent uh in texas there's a, there are a couple of them in texas but and they're not i haven't seen many of i don't see any of them in louisiana but the clover leaves especially along like in illinois and so i'd see the truck pull up to this and they'd be like all right and they're having to like twist the twist the blade to get it around to get it onto the next freeway and just all sorts of wild stuff it's a whole operation they got to do to get these things because they're just absolutely enormous but but it yeah. works, and once they're up and going, they're with the exception of uh, if they don't spend the fifteen percent extra for the heated blades, um, they can operate <laughs> year round. Right. Uh, I, I wish that somebody in the state, of, you know, it's too bad that that when they were investing in the wind energy in Texas, that there was no incentive uh, put upon these power providers to do that. So none of the none of the wind basically none of the windmills in Texas have the you know heating in them. And so they can't operate in the super cold conditions mm-hmm. like the ones can up north. Because mm-hmm. um, like central Illinois, just caught co- in Iowa, covered in wind, covered in covered in windmills. Mm-hmm. Oh man, the Texas power, the Texas freeze kill, kicked us in the balls back in February. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. trying to get through the trying to get through that week. I got lucky; none of my pipes froze. But I got you know friends who had fifteen thousand dollars of damage to their houses with pipes bursting. Right. So you don't know it until kind of afterwards. You know, no, it's so bad. It's so, so bad. Mm-hmm. So the joys, joys of home ownership. Exactly. So, I'm happy to be a renter because I, I, <laughs> I, I, I put all my spare money into my little Honda fit. Right. 
because I spent I spent it all on uh, putting together the the fit this past winter to come do the Sunday Cup stuff, and it was great. And just drove drove the wheels off fit this summer. That yeah. has Sunday Cup has been the best thing I've one of the, I just I got tired. I've been chasing autocross cars for years. I mean, the fit is my this fit. Excuse me, I've had two fits, four Miatas, Mazda Speed Three. Two Mazda sixes and a uh, Mercury Sable was my car. I come in college. I've had all of these cars over the past. You know, I've had sixteen cars over the past uh, eight years, ten years. Excuse me. It has. I've just. I've bounced around. Uh, oh, and then I've had uh, how many Civics have I had? I had the EG, <laughs> the EF, the Eighth Gen. I've had three Civics. Oh, and the CRX. So I've had. I've had three Civics and a CRX too. Right. You know, and so I've bounced around from when I got into autocross, I had the Mazda Speed 3 in G- in STX because it, uh, it had a short shifter in it plus the rear bar. And then I went to, from there, I went to, uh, I bought an ND for C Street beginning of 2016, which is a terrible financial mis- uh, decision for me. Mm-hmm. And then I ended up buying my 91 EF STS car uh, in April, uh, March of 2016, a couple months later. And got rid of the ND as fast as I could, which ended up being like Memorial Day of that year. Drove the crap out of the STS car, ended up driving it from Houston to Solo Nationals, and then back, which was awesome. Got to be on the SCCA magazine with that. That was super cool. Mm -hmm. And loved that car, but it didn't have air conditioning. So I was driving around Houston. I mean, I drove from like Houston to Nebraska. I drove from Houston to Dallas a bunch. When I went and did the the autocross uh, and with uh, with Southwest Louisiana at mm-hmm. the airport on the taxiway that was in that car, you know. So I drove from Houston to Louisiana, Lake Charles, right. and back without air conditioning. I'm sure I was yeah. ripe as can be when I got home. You know, <laughs> you can't you can't smell what you smell like. I'm sure I'm sure I was great when I got home with my roommate. But you know, I looked at that and I went, I'd love to just have this one car, but it doesn't make sense mm-hmm. to just have this car and I want to be able to and so I was like I want something with air conditioning and what I love this car but I want something with air conditioning and I consider putting AC in it but ultimately decided to sell it and then um, I had gotten my hands on a B16 swapped EG Civic that was cheap and ultimately decided I said you know I want to do track stuff this was uh, beginning of 2017 I was like I want to do track stuff but the but the EG doesn't have a good class in autocross, and I re- that still mattered to me at the time. Right. And so I ended up selling the EG, selling the EF, buying an MR2. Oh, I had an MR2 for 21 days because I bought it. <laughs> it had a death. It had a. It had a rear toe issue, and then it had six, seven-year-old tires on it. And I bought it from this guy whose son had left it with him years before. So it came with a bonded title. I bought the thing, insured it the day you know, insured it, and then I spun it. Because I had I had not I had burned the rear tires off because they were old and the alignment was screwball, mm-hmm. and then uh, was driving and got stuck out in a rainstorm in Houston on I-45 on the north side. Right, uh, hit a river of water going across the freeway, spun the thing backwards into a K rail, you know, 65 miles an hour Oof. into the concrete barrier. Mm-hmm. Car was total lost after 21 after 21 days. I was like, all right, well, and it took a little bit for the insurance to pay out, but the insurance ended up saying, yeah, you were fully insured. So here's your first total loss, kid. You know, age 26, and right. ended up taking that money, and I bought an E Street, and I bought a E Street prepped, fully, basically ready to go, uh, 99 Miata, from a guy in Houston, and that was a pretty good car. Drove that for months, and then uh, there was an issue where the crank bolt managed to work itself loose on that. 
mm-hmm. right at the end of 2017 when I took a new job, right before I took a new job in Dallas. And so I took the new job, took a pay upgrade. The Miata wasn't working. I said, screw it. Went out and bought a G Street Focus ST. I had driven the Civic Si. I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't bad, but right. I didn't love the car. And of course, it's a Honda, so everybody wanted, you know, basically MSRP, you know, or you couldn't get you couldn't get below invoice. And I think invoice at the time was like twenty four something thousand dollars. I was like, it was, it was like it was, it was mm-hmm. not overly expensive, but it wasn't cheap. Right. Versus, I ended up talking to some buddies of mine because I had worked at Russell and Smith Mazda in Houston for years. That's part of why I went through so many. Uh, I went had two new Mazda sixes and the new Miatas. I kept getting deals because my boss was always wanting to put me into something to keep me on the. <laughs> on the train to sell a car when he wasn't, when he needed that one extra unit, he was willing to cut a deal. Ne- never doubt a desperate GM when he needs one more unit the last day of the month. Might be enough. Huh? Yep. I ended up buying a focus ST because some friends I had had from who'd worked at the Ford store next door, went to another Ford dealer in Houston and they had a, the last focus ST they had for 2017 on the lot. And they're like, yeah, stickers twenty, you know, twenty five seven, invoices twenty twenty four five, uh, with the dealer plan discount plus the thirty five hundred dollars of Ford bonus cash on this Focus ST, we could sell you this car for twenty thousand two hundred dollars. And I'm like, okay, sounds good. <laughs> so bought, bought bought this bought this Focus, and I had it for twenty one months, and then put in that twenty one months, I put fifty five thousand miles on it. I drove the wheels off of it, but it was a phenomenal car. I loved the the way that it made boost. It was everything that was good about a Mazda Speed 3. It got way better fuel mileage. It would run on 87 and on 93. It would mm-hmm. run on any, whatever fuel you put in it, it would run on it. Right. You know, it was a cheap plastic interior, but I really liked the, you know, it was it was a good car. I really, mm-hmm. really enjoyed it. So I've I just drove the, the crap out of it. Yeah, I've heard those are good dailies. They really are. I mean, the price on them now for what they are is absurd absolutely stupid i that the 20, 2017 was the year to buy one because that was the you know 2017 and 2018 was the last year they had them but in 2017 the rs had come out but the st was still was still cool you know was still there mm-hmm. but what ford ended up doing in 2017 was they started throwing huge rebates at the focus to move them they needed to move the units and what they ended up doing is all the rebates that the base focus qualified for, the ST qualified for. The RS did not, but the ST did. I had a friend who got a base model focus ST for $17,000 brand new. Wow. Brand spanking new for seven, a little over seventeen grand. That's a deal like, for almost any, car, any brand new car you'd want to drive. Yeah, and and you this know, is a focus, you know, turbo turbo focus. You know, it doesn't have nav or anything special, but the Sync Three right. voice, you know, voice system is pretty slick. And yep. you know, I mean, it's for twenty grand that car was a steal. For seventeen grand, that's just stupid good. You almost and gotta buy it, even if you don't need a car. Exactly. And I looked at one that looked at them the summer of two thousand seventeen, and I said, Nah, nah, it doesn't make any sense for me. I don't want. I, I don't want a car payment. Because mm-hmm. um, at the time, I had my family member of mine was using one of my Mazda six, and they were making half the lease payment. And I was making half the lease payment because I had a ton of negative equity, and basically right. the family member was paying what the lease would cost, and I was paying the negative equity out of the lease payment. And so I was like, I was like, all right. So you know, so it was a good deal for me. I didn't want to take on two car payments at the time, 
And so I then had the, had the focus. Um, and then, uh, during the summer, right in the spring of 2019, end of April, 2019, a buddy of mine in, uh, Latin Lake Jackson posts on Facebook. And he's like, he's like, uh, there's a customer who came into the dealership today. He's a, he works at Honda Lake Jackson. Um, my buddy Keelan. And he's like, uh, anybody looking for a Civic SI dirt cheap? He's like, $1,800 runs and drives just past the Texas state inspection. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, what's wrong with it? He's like, nothing. It passed Texas state inspection. He's like, it's haggard on the inside. He's like, but it passed Texas state inspection. So mechanically it's fine. Uh-huh. And I called up my buddy in Houston because I was in Dallas. I called up my buddy in Houston. And I said, Hey man, uh, what are you doing right now? And he's like, I'm at lunch with my wife. And I'm like, and this is actually Seth from, uh, if anybody listens to the track walking podcast, which if you don't, I highly recommend it. It's my buddy, Scott Robertson from grid life. And my buddy, Seth, uh, he was an autocross or track guy from Houston who are both one lappers like I am. And they, um, he's like, I'm at lunch with my wife. And I'm like, I got a big favor to ask. You mind driving to Lake Jackson for me to go look at a car? And he's like, what kind of car? And I'm like, it's a running and driving Honda civic to a eighth gen Honda civic SI 2009 for $1,800. And he said, let me get the bill and tell my wife I love her and I will go right now. <laughs> um, so my buddy literally got off from lunch with his wife, drove across Houston almost 90 miles from his house because he was on the way on the northeast side of the city. Mm-hmm. And Lake Jackson's like 45 miles south of downtown. Right. So he had to drive, you know, 80, 90 miles to this to see. And he went, saw it, and he calls me up and he's like, it's absolutely disgusting on the inside. <laughs> absolutely disgusting he's like i'm pretty sure i got a disease test driving your car he's like but i went we drove it on the freeway briefly and it shifts good through all the gears he's like and the VTEC hits hard he's like so the motor seems pretty healthy transmission seems healthy he's like dude i think it's a pretty solid car he's like for 1800 bucks and so i i came down the next day picked it up bought the car for 1800 dollars it passed Texas eight inspection, but it wasn't without, um, without its, um, issues mm-hmm. like the rear shocks were blown. Right. And basically the entire, the guy who we bought it from had vaped and smoked and had smoked in the car for a couple of years and then had vaped in the car for years. And the AC hadn't been, had, had not stopped working on him. I think it was really just a relay because, but what had happened is because he had been smoking in the car and vaping in the car, and then he had the windows down, dust was co- that dust had collected. Mm-hmm. So the dashboard was covered in this like dusty cement of vape juice <laughs> and <laughs> filth and dust and like like the Honda the eighth gen Civic dashes have like this like skin kind of like a like a like a like a dinosaur skin kind of a grain to them looking thing on them. Mm-hmm. But they're not it's not flat. There's a there's like a there's like a there's like a grain to it. Right. You couldn't see the grain. Cause this stuff was so thick on the dashboard and like the center console was, uh, was a, um, was a suede material. And I thought he had actually rubbed when we, we, we took the thing, we drove the thing home. The rear shocks were blown from Lake Jackson. We were driving back to my buddy's place up in Humble and on the North Northeast side of Houston. And we're driving up there on the way was motorsport ranch Crescent. Mm-hmm. And my buddy was doing a track day there. So we went to go say, Hey to him, show him the car. And then we're all like, oh, you know, it's going to be lunchtime, and then it'll be parade laps. Let's go get some lunch, and then let's take the Civic out for parade laps. <laughs> so we ran to McDonald's in Lake Jackson, and then we pulled back in right as they were releasing cars from parade laps. So we pulled out on track with 
the food in the car. <laughs> and then my buddy, and then I turned the camera on and my buddies are feeding like my buddies started handing out fries to my two buddies handed each other fries out of the bag. And so they're eating McDonald's while I'm driving around, you know, we're doing parade laps. Uh. And because we're at the back of the group doing parade laps, we got, we got up to a decent clip in the car. It's only about like halfway through the second lap. My buddy Seth goes, you know, we haven't nutted, we haven't done a nut and bolt at all on this car, and we're going like 80 miles an hour around this track right now. <laughs> this is probably not the brightest thing we've ever done. <laughs> like a few hours of so, ownership on the deal. Yeah. So just hilarious. We ended up coming back in, and then my buddy and I went up to his place, and we spent, he and I spent two hours cleaning the car with purple power and other stuff. The way we did it was like to get the dashboard cleaned, it was just, you just covered the paper towel in, in like in this purple power water diluted mix. Mm-hmm. And then you just took the towel and you set it on the dashboard and you wiped once. And whatever you got off the dashboard was what you got. And then you got another towel and you did it again until we had finally <laughs> gotten through, through all the guard, through all the crap on the dash. And then like we got to the center console arm lid. It was like, it was, it was shiny. And we thought the guy had just rubbed through the sway with his arm. My buddy was like, well, let's see how it cleans up. And he starts cleaning. And the suede starts coming back. And he's like, oh, my God. He didn't rub through the suede. He rubbed his body oil into the suede. And we were just like, ooh, ooh. (laughs) And so, like, we just kept cleaning and cleaning. And so the more and more we cleaned, the nicer and nicer this car got. Now, that said, the car earned its nickname almost immediately. The car's nickname was Hazmat because of the interior. <laughs> also because the, the Civics of that era had a recall and an issue with paint. So every, vert- every horizontal surface on that Civic had no clear coat. Like none. The car was actually a two tones of gray. It was the original dark gray on the horizontal sides. The hood, the wing... The, the paint on the wing had done okay, and the paint on the trunk under the wing had done okay. But the roof, the hood, the the shoulders on the side of the body lines of the car, right. all of that horizontal paint was burned off. So it was multiple shades of gray. And uh, so it was 50 shades of gray, the Civic, with the hazmat interior. But that was um, a solid driveline. <laughs> but, but the powertrain pulled hard. Rear shocks were blown. Uh, but I'm we're like, whatever. They're like, no, those will be like 50 bucks on Rock Auto or whatever. Like, we didn't right. even care. So I buy the car, and then I ended up leaving with my buddy for the summer because I didn't want, because I had had two accidents in 2017, and I still had the focus. And I was like, I don't need the Civic for this. I don't need the Civic for the, sub, for the summer. So I ended up leaving it at my buddy's place and not insuring it. I just let it sit under his carport for the summer while um, I got some financial stuff in order and ultimately decided to sell the Civic, sell the Focus, sell it back to CarMax, mm-hmm. and then just drive the, drive the Civic. Finally brought the Civic home, and I go to pick it up. In the middle of the summer, my buddy Ben in Houston messages me, who had had an 8th gen that he got new in high school because he grew up in, uh, in a good, you know, Grew up well, and so his parents got him the Civic in high school, Civic SI in high school, and he'd had it, and we were buddies and met it uh, in Houston. And it got totaled in a flood in, like, 2014 or 2015. His focus got totaled. Mm-hmm. But he, when he had the car in high school, he had gotten the Honda factory performance struts and springs installed on the Civic, and they had taken all the stock stuff off and given it back to him. 
Well, my buddy had had all this stuff sitting in the attic of his garage for years. And in 2019, he ended up moving, selling his house and deciding just to, to quit his job and go be a nomad a bit. And he calls me up and he goes, uh, you still need parts for your Civic? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, I found these struts that were on, struts and rear shocks that were on my Civic that have 30,000 miles on them if you want them. And I'm like, sure, I'll take free stuff. Right. So I ended up getting a basically a, a, a whole, basically fresh set of suspension for free for the Civic with, you know, new shocks and springs and the whole nine yards. And I was like, this is great. Uh-huh. We put it all in the Civic and I ended up driving the cra- driving that car everywhere under the sun until March of 2020. I took it to my first track day. One of the things that happens on the K series, uh, especially the eighth gens, is the water pump housing is attached to the end of the block and then... On the water pump housing is a uh, hose in the, with the thermostat housing that attaches to it, and it's a plastic housing that attaches to the aluminum. And there's a an o there's basically a rubber you know rubber O ring type gasket that's you know molded in a certain special shape mm-hmm. that makes you know seals to make the pressure. That gasket fails over time and starts to weep. Well, I did a track day, and uh, the thing got ran things started running low on coolant. Right. I ended up driving it the next day. Uh, after, and I ran it low officially on coolant at that point, and uh, popped the head, mm. popped the motor, and those K twenty Z threes had a coolant jacket issue. Basically, I at that point I had I roasted the motor, right. so I was like, and I ended up deciding, and so decided to set the car to the side. In the beginning of twenty twenty, I bought um a car miata from my buddy a 94 miata uh rallycross prepped car that i called ronald the crappy miata also off my buddy set he had bought this car for cheap through grm forum from a guy in virginia it was a 94 miata with a hard top glass window and my buddy was like he sold it to me beginning of 2020 he's like i'll tell you what i'll sell you the car for with the hard top the roll bar in it he's like it's like the interior's garbage like the Mm -hmm. seats were crap um, but it had a roll bar, had the hard top. Um, he's like, it's going to need a motor. He's like, I don't know when, but it burns oil. And it's just, it's got 200,000 miles. It's going to need a motor at some point. Right. And I'm like, all right, that's fair. He's like, so I'll sell it to you for 2,500 bucks. And I'm like, done. So I took that off his hands and ended up driving, daily driving that for a while. Oh, so that's the one the truck tried to eat? That, exactly. That's what let's say. <laughs> the, that's the one that I got sideswiped on I-35 in the dark. And the worst part was I had literally spent eight hours that day to putting a brand new clutch in the thing, brand new fly. Uh, it had somebody put a lightweight flywheel in the thing at one point, and they had not used the correct thread pitch bolts when they put the put the clutch on this flywheel. Mm-hmm. And so basically the the bolt had stripped out, and the throwout bearing had more or less been holding the pressure plate in place, <laughs> giving the clutch just enough wow. grip to keep the thing together. And, um, I basically toasted this, the toasted it the rest of the way. So the pressure plate was loose and making noise at a rally cross in June of 2000 and, uh, 2020. And then basically, uh, I parked it and cause I, I was walking distance, I'm walking distance from a grocery store in San Antonio near my mm-hmm. apartment. And so I was like, I just parked the car and was like, I don't need to drive it. So I'm not going to drive it very much. I'll drive it the little bit I need to Walmart and whatever. Right. And then I talked to my buddy and he's like, yeah, you could come up to our shop. Uh, Justin and Laura, my friends up in Austin, they have a, a lift in their shop out on their little ranch. And so they let me come up. We did a, did a clutch, put a brand new flywheel in it off rock auto, a clutch in it. 
did a trans service, did a fluid service, did a rear diff fluid service. And then on the way home, the I'm sliding on the, I'm, I'm in the right lane going this, like literally just trundling along doing the speed limit and a truck in the middle lane. There's a utility truck with a trailer in the middle lane that slowed down 18 wheeler behind him that had passed me then starts to slow down and then decides to move over and doesn't see me. Catches the last foot of the Miata bumper. I'm all of a sudden the back of the car starts to move to the right. And I'm like, Oh, I start to turn into it going like, what happened? Did I just lose a yeah. tire or something? Right. And then about a you know quarter second later, I I then hear the <laughs> as all of a sudden the <laughs> the wheel studs start tearing up the left side of the car off the truck. Right. And it's like oh no oh god I know what's happening now and I'm along for the ride at that point hearing some of the most god awful noises I've ever heard in my life. Wheel studs tear you know carve up the right side of the car pop mm-hmm. both left side tires. Um, but luckily the trucker realizes what's happening and goes back into the middle lane. I'm just scraping along the ground, but I, the car is really predictable and it just kind of pulled over the side and I'm like, well, I pulled over to the side, not too badly. I guess that wasn't as bad as I thought it was mm-hmm. go to pop the door open and the door, the door, you know, previously had swung, you pop it, it would swing nice and easy and wide. Right. And I got to pop the door and it goes click and it doesn't barely open. And I'm like, uh Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's a and I forced the door open. Yeah, I, I, I forced the door open, you know, hearing the door and the fender make contact with each other. And I'm like, oh, boy, this is not good. No. And then I get out and realize and I see all the damage of what's happened. And, you know, I've got half moon marks from just behind the driver door all the way up through the door. There's actually a hole in the door by the size of a baseball. Um, the front left fender is all torn up. The front left wheel is all screwed up. It was hard to see at the time, but I ended up call- we got the car onto some fresh tires the next on some old on some old wheels the next day with tires. We got under the front left, and the front left uh, control arm, the lower control arm was, and the upper one too were like literally just freaking pretzels, because I had a flying Miata, I had the big um, racing beat sway bar on the front, the big one that everybody runs in the East Street on the NBs. Mm-hmm. And it was popular to run it on the NAs and auto and uh, rally cross because right. it just stiffens the car up a bunch and really makes the transition good. And I had the big beefy flying Miata end links on the car as well. So basically, when the when that the truck when that whole control arm was getting whacked, the racing beat bar was the part that refused to give. So the entire and the, then the the sway bar link refused to give too. So the entire control arm just. <laughs> pretzels <laughs> and around and the shock is bent like crazy and the sway and the racing beat sway bar is like i don't care what i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> right. because it just pretzeled around the they all just pretzeled around the end lake you know and it's like nine it's a, at this point it's like 9 30 at night and it's the middle of covid and i got triple a i can't tow the car back to my apartment because my apartment's like you can't the cars have to be fully operable in the parking lot otherwise you're gonna get in trouble Mm-hmm. So I'm like, crap, I can't tell it home to figure out the, the insurance, figure it out. I, so I call my friends, Justin and Laura back up and I'm like, at this point, they're way on the north side of Austin. They're over, they're over a hundred miles from where I live in San Antonio. Right. Um, but luckily I'm still within my hundred mile towing range to their house. So I'm like 80 miles from them. I call them up and wake them up and I'm like, bad news. Um, <laughs> yeah. The Miata has been totaled in an accident. Can I have it towed back to your place so that it can stay there? And they're like, yeah are you okay and i'm like i'm fine um (laughs) somehow but uh 
yeah, that'd be really helpful. And then I get trip, and they're like, do you know how long it's going to be? I'm like, AAA hasn't told me anything yet. And then the cops start showing up. The truck driver gets, you know, comes down and talks to me. And thank God he had a teammate. But the gentleman who was driving the truck didn't speak English at all. Like, barely spoke any English. Like, even broken English. Because uh, the truck was a dual-registered Mexican-American oh, uh, truck that was going across, <sighs> across the border. Right. Uh, making runs. And the guy who hit me was, was, was Mexican, did not speak any English, was the nicest guy, felt absolutely terrible that he nearly ran me over and killed me um was really happy he didn't run me over and kill me and his teammate was really cool they accepted he the, the guy accepted fault he was like no i didn't see you you didn't you were in your lane like you were supposed to be and i yeah. nearly ran you over because i couldn't see you down there you know just where you happened to be in a little black miata at night yeah it's like i just didn't see you yeah. and he hadn't been driving in america so, very long <laughs> Man, and so the car gets headed to my friend's house, or, or so I get the I get AAA on the phone. My friends are like, "Yeah, well, if you can get the car towed up here, you can borrow one of our cars too." I'm like, "All right, well that'll work. I can borrow it for a little bit while I figure out what the hell's going to happen next." Mm-hmm. Then I call and talk to AAA, and they're like, "Yeah, we can tow the car. Uh, you have to find your own transportation though." And I'm like, "What?" They're like, "Due to the COVID nineteen pandemic, you're not allowed to ride with your driver to your destination." And I'm like what the hell am I supposed to do? And they're like, don't know. That's your problem, not ours. We'll tow the car anywhere, but how, where, where you go is up to you, buddy. Wow. And I'm like, I appreciate that, but also, you know, what the hell? Yeah. Um, I'm like, well, crap. So I'm in, I'm in New Braunfels. I posted on social media that I'm like, well, Ronald's dead. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen next, but uh, here we go. Mm-hmm. And... Please come get me. Ended up uh, <laughs> a couple minutes later, I get a phone call from a guy I haven't talked to, a friend of mine from Houston who I haven't talked to in years, and it's my buddy Will. And he, he's like, hey, man, how you doing? And I'm like, hey, Will, what you calling for? And he's like, I see you having a bad night in New Braunfels. I'm like, uh, I am. I'm having a very bad night, but I'm also very happy to be alive. And he's like, glad you're alive. He's like, uh, my friends and I came out from, we took a weekend away from the Permian Basin. To, uh, came out here, we had an Airbnb that we booked months ago and we couldn't cancel. So I'm, uh, I'm 15 minutes down the road if you, uh, you want to need to crash, a, crash on a couch for the night. And I'm like, that'd be really helpful, <laughs> actually, right now. That'd be yeah. really, really helpful right now. Yeah. And so he and his roommates took their, you know, his friend, his coworkers grabbed the truck and came over and grabbed me from the, the side of I-35. The car got towed off to my friend's house up in, you know, up north of uh, Austin. He brought me back to his place and then I, uh, or to the Airbnb. And then the next day they drove me up to the, to Austin, to my friend's house. And those friends let me borrow a car. And I ended up going to Chicago for a couple of weeks to wait for the insurance to sort itself out. Mm-hmm. And the insurance paid out over three, the beyond had actually been previously totaled once. So I paid two and a half grand for this car. Insurance is like, well, it's been totaled before. So the, we're, we're assessing the value of the vehicle at $3,100. And I'm like, cool. I've already broken even. I like the sound of this. And then I'm like, and I'm like, and because it's been totaled, I get to keep the car at no. There's no reduction in the in the payout for me keeping the car. And they're like, that is correct. I'm like, all right, perfect. And then I ended up. So I ended up take, accepting their payout. They cut the check. They mailed. You know, it got. I got it. We got it paid. Right. And then I was like, well, the hard top isn't damaged. The powertrain is still good. It's got a brand new clutch in it, and it's a Miata. I'm like, and on top of that, uh, Ronald had a very unique feature for an NA, actually NBs too, 
It was a 94 Miata 1.6 with ABS. I didn't even, like before huh. my before my buddy got this car. I didn't even know they sold the NA with ABS, but it was a thousand dollar standalone option in 1994. Wow. Um, and this car happened to have it, so I was like, I gotta be able to get something out of this car because <laughs> while I don't have, while it's not the right decision for me to fix it. In theory, you can throw a new subframe under the car and it, it'll be drivable again and maybe, re, you know, a new door and do some quarter panel work. Somebody right. could turn it into a beater if they want. I just, it, it's not the thing for me. Right, right. And uh, I ended up, and the hard, but the hard top was worth, you know, worth money. Yeah, $1,200. I ended up saying, you know, and it was a glass hard, so it was a, it was a OEM hard top with a defrost, with a glass window and a defroster with like, you can order a new hard top from Mazda now and I think it's like two grand everything unpainted Mm -hmm. but it's a glass window but it doesn't have a defroster on it only like they don't make those anymore so i was like it's not a perfect hard top but it's a glass window defroster so somebody can get it painted and they'll have a miata with a rear defroster which just doesn't exist except in some you know except in the newer ones Mm -hmm. i called up my buddy brian in houston i said hey i got you know ronald's total loss or ronald's ronald's you know done it's sitting at my friend justin and laura's you know, the powertrain's good. It's got the torsion diff. It's got, you know, the good five-speed trans and the good hardtop. I'm like, I'd like to get 1600 bucks out of the car. Is that something you'd be interested in? And he's like, yeah. He's like, I'll do it. He's like, it's going to take me a little bit to put together. I don't have the cash immediately liquid. He's like, I'll need a little bit of time. I'm like, I'm in no rush, man. Like, take your time getting me the cash. Um, just, uh, you know, do what you got to do, dude. And so he ended up sending, buying the buying the carcass off of me, and I wrote him the title over, and he ended up pulling the whole 1.8 liter drivetrain out and threw it in his 1.6 Miata track car. Mm-hmm. And so he ended up, and then he ended up selling that a couple months later. But I ended up, you know, I bought the car for two and a half grand. I'd spent some money on it over the over the the months after I bought it. Like I put in the 94 Miatas had a real oil pressure sensor, so I bought one of those, which was two hundred dollars. Um, super expensive, but I was like, you know what? It is what it is. Like, I like this car. It's got character. So I'm going to spend money on it. Right. You know, and I had just spent a couple hundred bucks on the clutch and stuff. So I think like, I think all in all I was, um, and I put a, a black, you know, the car came with a, a incorrectly color matched fender on the passenger front. I bought another one. I had also spent time that the hood had been crinkled. I spent time, you know, hammering it out a bit. And so I'd spent time, and the car actually looked halfway decent by the time I had had the accident in it. I think I was like thirty-two hundred dollars into this car. So the insurance company, the insurance payout, and the what I sold the car for, I made just shy of five grand on the car. And I had a bunch of sets, a bunch of spare wheels and tires that I sold off <laughs> separately too. So I doubled my money on this car, and I took all that, and then bought the fit, and then I spent the last twelve months modding that for Sunday Cup, which is just just been the best decision because it's a stupidly practical little car i get 30 to 35 miles the gallon on the freeway on the on the sunday cup do they uh do you have to cage those or no you don't one of one guy has a welded in four point roll bar i have a four point roll bar that's currently currently stuck in houston because auto power built it and then they shipped it to the wrong place and then it got shipped back to them and then I told them an updated address to ship it to, and then the freight company lost it. So I ordered a, a roll bar for mine in right around the 4th of July. Mm-hmm. 
I still have not taken delivery of it. <laughs> Three months later. They told me it would be four to five weeks when I ordered it. Three months later, I still haven't taken delivery of this roll bar. Um, we actually, it had been lost for so long in transit that Pilot Freight told Auto Power and I to file a claim. They were like, they're like, we're going to do a long, we're going to do a long trace mm-hmm. of having doing everybody do dock checks to try and find this thing. But the chances of it turning up are very, very low. Right. Well, they yeah, did the trace and they found it mm-hmm. and it was sitting on a dock in, in Houston, up in Humble, up on the north side of Houston. Right. It had been sitting on a dock in Houston for basically six weeks. Wow. But luckily, it's like 15 miles from my friend's house. So I finally did all the stuff week before last to like, okay, my cool, I'll have somebody go pick it up, yada, yada. I just need to be contacted when it's ready for pickup. I didn't hear anything back last week. I finally called this week and I'm like, hey, uh, I need to figure out when I can come pick up my roll bar. And they're like, well, we can't release it because the claim process was started. And I'm like, oh, you've got to be joking me. <laughs> so so now, like, they won't, they won't release it. So it's just... It's been a disaster, but I'm the only person who's got a roll bar. Who, there's the one guy with a four-point welded in. I'm going to have the four-point bolted in. Um, there's a couple guys. Uh, one guy for, has a halo seat in the car, a, you know, a halo race seat in the car, mm-hmm. and then he uses um, a set of belts that attach in the rear to the seat, to the seat points to right. help hold him in place. Mm-hmm. There's a couple other guys who run like race, like run, a, run a race seat of some kind, but they run, you know, but just run the three-point three point belts. But the vast majority of the class, like over 75% of it, is just stock seats with three-point seatbelts, which is what I've run all summer. Mm-hmm. Um, but they- after the incident with Tony and hitting the wall and then Kyle hitting the wall, I was like, you know, mm, if I'm going to go full send, let's let's set the safety gear up. So, yeah, yeah. The, uh, is, it, is it mostly Honda Fits or is there other car- – what other cars would meet that? So the Fit is the predominantly spot. popular platform, which there's a – a mathematical reason behind and it's the gearing mm-hmm. because the fits are geared super super short but we've also got uh my buddy bob miller out of indianapolis who's got a kia rio and then we've got oh we've got a bunch of mazda twos that started showing up too as well uh we had a couple of those at mid ohio uh there's a ford fiesta uh base model fiesta that i've also seen um with the one point the 1.6 liter naturally aspirated motor because one of the few rules, Sunday Cup is built around a power-to-weight ratio. It's single adjustable shocks. You're not technically allowed to move the suspension mounting points, but mm-hmm. the fits in a lot of these B-spec cars are cheap. So they use a single-point vertical mounting position in the front with a mushroom mushroom donut-type mount that the, that the strut then spits in with, spins in with a bearing. Right. A couple of guys in the fit community have done is they've actually converted a they basically they designed a three-point strut top. You drill the three holes in it, and you cut the center of the shock tower out and connect with that. And so that's what myself and a couple other guys have done because you go from the fully vertical shock with no caster to I've got six degrees of caster dialed in on the fit now. Mm-hmm. So I've only got 1.7 degrees of static camber, but in the middle of the corner, I've got a bunch. Right. So I've got to, I still got to get more static camber. But So the fit and the two are the, are the predominantly quicker cars. The Kia was pretty quick at Road America this weekend because the gearing for the Kia sucks around the small courses. It's geared really tall in third. Mm-hmm. Basically, the first and second don't suck too bad. But the moment my buddy goes to third, he's screwed. Because third in the fits runs out about 78, 70, you know, 78 to 80 miles an hour. Right. The Kia runs out of third gear 
at 96, you know, so super tall third gear. Especially if you got the, especially if you got the room to, to run it out. Right. And so it wrote America all of a sudden it wasn't a huge handicap anymore. Right. So, cause he had this, cause basically the, the, the first part of third, you know, second, and then the beginning of third gear would suck for him. And then he would find, and then the car would finally start to find its, find its legs. Once you got over eight, once it got over 80, it started to find its legs. Cause at that point, we've gone to fourth gear. And so all of a sudden his third gear gearing sucks that much less than our fourth gear. You know, it doesn't suck quite as bad compared to our fourth gears. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. cause I think I gotta go, I had to go look it up again, but uh, I believe actually I've got it handy. I think it's a four, t- 4.26 is the final drive on a Honda fit. It's really low geared. Mm-hmm. Cause like first gear I put the, I throw the car in first and I'm out of gear at 30 miles an hour in the fit. Like, not into the 30s. Like, literally, like, 30, 31 miles an hour, I have to have already grabbed second. Or, or I'm on the limiter. Uh, so the fit will zip straight up to 30 miles an hour. It's a, it is a freaking hoot to drive around town as a result. Because it, it's it's super zippy in, in first gear. And even second gear doesn't suck too bad. So it's a super short, short final drive um, as a result of the... Just the way the gearing is set up. Let me see if I've got the information. But yeah, the first gen fit is a 4.29 final drive. The second gen fit is a 4.62 final drive. Like really, really short. That's the key of what makes the uh, makes the fit really the predominant car for class. Is the first gen fit's got 109 horsepower. The second gen's got 118. But with the gearing. They're really, really hard to beat against other B-spec cars because there's no balanced performance. Uh, we, we have this power-to-weight ratio, and we're all in the legal area right now. We're starting mm-hmm. to figure out the class has gone from it's pretty serious, but basically it's all Honda Fit, so everybody's playing on a level playing field, to the past 12 months the class has gone from it's pretty cool, some people like it, to the popularity has just skyrocketed. Right. I'd have to go through and find out how many separate people showed up and rode it, drove at events this year. I mean, but at Mid-Ohio alone, we had 13 cars in class. And I know not everybody was at Mid-Ohio. There was people from other events earlier in the year and later in the year who didn't make Mid-Ohio. I think we had over 20 different competitors in the class this year. It was really, really fun. I think that's one of the good things there, like with the grid life, the culture of it is that it's open and inviting to yeah. a lot of different stuff and not like everybody has to build the same car to take advantage to a of degree. it. Yeah. yeah. I mean the, the, and that's the thing we're dealing with now with the Sunday cup rules is we're trying to, we're, we, we have a big group chat. All of us who are active in the class are in the group chat and we're having a discussion about what does, what makes sense for next year because the class is getting more serious. And so we're really trying to get, some of the parts, some parts of the rules, we're really trying to get them locked down because we want to, we want to just really kind of start to draw lines in the sand of, we all want to be competitive. We all want to have fun. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a piece of friggin' wood that was cut that my buddy literally like had engraved at like a CNC shop and then stained it in his garage. There's no major money on the line here. We're all out here to have fun. Like honest to God, the best times I have in Sunday cup are when it's a wet session. So nobody's going out there to chase time. So we all go out there together and just screw around, which we had happened in mid Ohio. That was the photo I posted. I don't know if you saw it, uh, Jimmy. Of there's, I think there was 10, 11 of us that went out together. So over 10 of us. And we went out together in one session at mid Ohio. 
in the wet, which mid Ohio in the wet is hilariously stupid. Um, Cause it's just, it's an, it's an old track. So yeah. there ain't, you know, there ain't shit for grip. No, um, so you're, so you're, you're going you're offline, 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 trying to find the grip. And we went out as the 10 of us stacked up really close to each other, just screwballing around and just had blast for 20 minutes swapping places, just having a, just having a good old time. Mm-hmm. And that was one of my favorite memories of the year was us doing that. But we are trying to like, but we, we want to be more, we want to be competitive next year. And we, we also all want to like, we want to make sure that anything that's like, basically we've all agreed that tunes basically aren't legal in the rules, but we've all agreed that we, we don't want tunes or that with that tunes weren't what we considered legal, but there's been arguments by some of the guys that tunes are technically legal per the rules. So we're trying to get that to be cleared up and some other small stuff. And like, I would like for us to get to the point where we can, um, like right now it has to be OEM breaks. Mm-hmm. So the popular big break upgrade is to run the single piston calipers off the, excuse me, Integra type R. I said that in quotations, they're CRV calipers um, right. from the late nineties, <laughs> the CRV and the Integra type R use the same floating caliper design. The yeah. fast breaks is the people who put together the kit first. Um, you run a mini R63 rotor, the rotors in the right position relative to the caliper where it, mm-hmm. it then works right, with right. the, uh, with that brake kit, but there's more pedal travel as a result of it. I don't really love that. It's not legal for the rules right now, but I would really like to be able to run Woolwood ultralights or something, something that's a yeah. small, you know, I'd like to be able to run that nice small circle track caliper. The Honda right. calipers are wicked cheap and they're readily available on rock auto. Yeah. But I'd like to not have sliding greased pins anymore. I'd like to have a little four pot caliper that doesn't have, you know, doesn't have greased pins and just has the two pads. And mm-hmm. also when you go to the Wilwood ultralights, your pad options are there and there's billions of pad options. Right. Right. I'm not going to die on that hill. That's just one of my, <laughs> that's one of my wants for next year is I'd like to be able to go to a, a big brake kit. I ate the, my, the, 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 uh, the little big brake kit for my Honda fit. Cause I'd like that. But, the yeah. biggest thing I've got to do is I have, I have been toasting my brakes all year. I've got to get some air forced from the front bumper back to the brakes because mm-hmm. the I just keep I keep roasting them. I'm because uh, I'm using them a bit more than I should be, um, but also just I just I'm just driving the car hard. Yeah, and uh, and I'll start like I'll I'll get every, I'll get everything hot and I'll I'll go chase the next lap and I'll go chase the next lap and I'll go chase the next lap. And as a result of that, I am just, everything's getting hot, getting hot, getting hot, especially at like Blackhawk Farms and Autobahn Country Club. Autobahn's got a couple strengths where you can start to get the brakes a little bit of cool. Road America, I guess I had forgotten to bleed the brakes since Gingerman because Saturday the brakes started getting bad immediately. So I think I forgot to bleed them. Mm-hmm. Oops. It ended up leading to the fact that I was, I threw the car, um, my really fast lap in my second session, I did a 306 which would have been faster if I wasn't on the tires that they were as old as they are. Mm-hmm. By the time I got to Road America this weekend, I think my tires had, the math I checked, they had over 50 heat cycles on them, and they had 15 plus hours of track time. And they're a 200 treadwear tire. Like, they were, I had flipped them, like I had just tried to drag them out as long as I could to make them last. Yeah. I mean, uh, but I that's it, one of the things I've realized for next year is other guys in my class, they're buying tires more often than I am. Yeah. Because I, I, I made these tires last a year. Yeah. I mean, I got everything out of them and I loved them for it, but I've got a next year. I'm going to have to budget for a set or two of tires yeah. because even if I'm getting the, because just, just because the, the sheer number of sessions we're getting, 
is putting enough heat cycles into them that they're just they're fading. So, right. which is unfortunate, but at the same time, that's a really great problem to have that I'm getting so much track time uh, <laughs> that <laughs> yeah. I am. Uh, that that's that problem I'm running into is that I'm aging the tires out. Yeah. And, and the car, the car's reliable I, enough that it's there every every time. I mean, it is. I mean, you just there's like some of the K series have oil starve issues. I think some of the D series might as. I don't know if the D series do, but I know the K some of the K series do have oil star issues. Um, when you start tracking them, the S two thousands do. The Honda Fit, two hundred five, two hundred treadwear tires, does not care. You yeah. can drive the wheels off of it, and it doesn't care the oem the oem is 530 oil 530 weight oil uh i'm running a 530 full synthetic these days just to just to do a little bit better just to do a little bit more plus my motor's tired at 170,000 miles i don't know that it's tired but it's it's certainly seen its fair share of abuse i mean i bought the car with in may it had 55,000 miles 155,000 miles on it mm-hmm. as of last week i've crossed 170,000 miles in five months so I've done, I've done 15,000 miles in five months because <laughs> I've been just driving the thing all over the place. That's a good chunk of that. The track probably counts for probably 10 to one on the, on those miles too, for a track, a track mile. The average grid life weekend I'm getting, you know, uh, most of our, a bunch of our events are two days. We have a bunch of, we have a couple three day events too. And then like the festivals are four days. I mean, we're getting anywhere between six and nine sessions a weekend. It's, and those are 20 minute sessions. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when things go wrong, they'll cut them down on time of time. But like, right. we're generally getting six to nine sessions a weekend. Yeah. Like I went up on Saturday and I got, I drove up for the day and I had family business. I had to handle on Sunday. So I had to leave, um, which sucked because I, if I had stayed for Sunday, I might've been able to improve a little bit more and hold on to a podium that I had got worked my way into on Saturday. I, I got a full hour track time at road America, which is so much fun in the fit because when you start your flying lap, you know, of course you're starting coming up out of Canada. Basically you exit Canada and you put your foot in the floor mm-hmm. and you might have a, you might have a slight lift coming up through 13. And then I was, I was running out of gear coming down to coming to 14. So I was having to either stay on the limiter or then sh- or shift to fourth. Um, when I was starting my flying lap in my second session on Saturday, I ended up staying in third just so that I didn't have to worry about the up, didn't have to worry about the downshift into the corner because I'm like, I don't care about this lap. I care about the next lap and I'm going to be, I want to be in third gear exiting the corner no matter what. So I ended up just, you know, staying on the limiter for about three, four seconds and then just exiting corner 14 and you're going up the hill. And what the B-Spec guys taught me at Road America is get all the way to the right side use the pit wall the pit wall is your friend it is a side drafting partner that will help you pick up speed especially when you're slow i get all the way over to the right if i come up the hill and as i'm coming up the hill once i get start to get past the pit entrance i get all i'm all the way over to the right as i'm coming under the bridge and over the top of the hill and i'm all the way over cross start finish and then right before the pit exit is I move back over to the left side of the track. You stab a brakes and you and you. I've upshifted the fourth gear come, right as I'm about to come up the hill, and I'm at the top of fourth gear going into uh, close to the top of fourth gear going in turn one. Stab a brakes, turn in, get the car to rotate. I wasn't going too crazy, but you can go. You can get danger. You can get wild and crazy 
and go all the way out over the really aggressive gators that there are on the outside of the turn and one. I didn't feel ambitious to do it, but I will try that more in the future. It's because it's I'm debating. I know the B spec folks are basically taking turn one flat or damn near flat. I think we might be able to get really close in the in the Sunday Cup cars. I don't know if we can go quite flat, but we can get close. I think we can get by with very little amount of brakes. And so get through turn one. Turn two is a kink. It's basically a kink in that straightaway as turn two. Mm-hmm. Old school SECA rules said to have a corner station, you have to have a corner. And so they, they named a corner where they kink the, kink the road slightly so they can have a corner station there at the top of the hill going down into three. Down into three, grab third gear, go down towards five, You know, go through the kink of four, under the Sargento, uh, Sargento Cheese Bridge, mm-hmm. gotta love Wisconsin, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> where the sponsor bridges, you know, are sausage and cheese. Right. You've got the Sargento Bridge uh, between three and f- uh, three and five, and then you've got the uh, I can't remember what the sausage company is, but you got the sausage company after the exit of turn eight it, uh, near the bridge at the exit of turn eight. Johnsonville. I think, I think. Yes, it's the Johnsonville. Yeah, Johnsonville brats and sausages. We go down into five, and I'm breaking right right about the two mark uh, in five, going back down to third, get the car kicked up the hill, a little bit of a lift and a little bit of brakes going into six uh, at the top of the hill. And then once you exit six, your foot's in the floor, grab fourth gear, going through seven flat, down to eight, grab third gear again. And the moment you leave turn eight, you plant your foot in the floor in third gear. You damn near flat shift to fourth, going under the Johnsonville Bridge, uh, or maybe a little bit after it, and once you've entered the carousel. Mm-hmm. You're flat from the moment you leave eight. You get into the carousel, um, grabbing, you know, you grab fourth gear around somewhere in the, between the two of those. And then you stay in fourth gear with your foot planted, foot planted, foot planted. You know, you're grabbing the curving at the exit of the carousel on the inside, and then you track out grab the outside curb and then it's your foot still on the floor while you're barreling down the can about down to the kink. Right. And it's just reach down, pull those belts tight, turn in blind and pray it sticks. <laughs> <laughs> My turn in, in the fit, which is not the fastest turn in, but I've got no arrow. I'm on a two Oh five tire in a car where I'm sitting on the fuel tank. So I'm sitting vertical. I don't feel like I'm on the ground. We'll be very clear here. I'm turning in at 97 miles an hour into the cane, and you can't see the edges of this corner. Because mm-hmm. you, when you turn in, you're looking at the wall. And so it's just you have to have faith that you got the line right. And you turn in, and you just leave your foot buried in the floor. The second-gen fit guys have that extra nine horsepower is helping in a slightly different gear set is helping them. They're going and grabbing fifth on the way down to Canada and they're getting uh, up to 110 miles an hour or over 110 miles an hour. I'm approaching 104 miles an hour into, into Canada and I break pitch the car in on the exits of five, eight and 12 on my fat and the exit of Canada on my fastest laps. I was turning in, throwing the car as hard as I could my brakes were already starting to not, I was, the pedal already felt spongy and I just said, I'm screw it. I'm driving through it. Mm. I'm like, I just need to get one more. I just need to get one lap. in. So <laughs> I'm like, this is going to be, this is the last lap I've got this session. I'm like, they just got to last the one lap. It's not the pads. I'm like, I've got like, it's, it's, it, I'm like, it's the fluid. I know it's the fluid. 
I've, I've got air in the system. I've got everything too hot. Yeah. And I said, screw it. I'm sending it this lap. Five, I went wide under the gators. Eight, I went wide under the gators. Canada, I went wide under the gators. But exiting Canada, uh, when I started the lap, I could see my buddy Adam up ahead of me. And I realized that as I was exiting the kink that I had gotten a real, I, all of a sudden the distance on him was closing a lot faster than I realized. I was picking up pace, time on him. Mm-hmm. And then exiting Canada, it was really apparent climbing the hill up into up to 13. And then basically, um, coming into 13, I was, I don't know, maybe a hundred feet behind him exit 14 going up the hill. I'm catching him quickly. Basically I start then drafting him up the hill. Uh, I've got his draft coming up to the line through a gear, grab fourth gear going up the hill and then get up, get up about, I don't know, three, four feet behind him and then slide over and slide out. And we basically cross the line at the same time, getting that draft right at the end. And it was I came in at a 306.6, which ended up being about five seconds off the, the fastest pace of the weekend. But the two guys who were in the 301s uh, were on fresh rubber. Yeah. There was my buddy James and then Adam. He, the guy who had run down on that 306, he, fit, he, he comes in and he's like, God damn it. He's like, I let the air conditioning on all session. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, that's why I was so damn slow. It's like, I let the air conditioning on. He was so mad. <laughs> Um, and so he was so pissed. So he and James both, I think James got into the high three Oh fours. Adams got into three Oh fives. Um, but I, I left after Saturday, so I wasn't able to do anything with the, you know, so I didn't, so I just had to sit at home and watch the live stream to see them knock Mm -hmm. both knock me off the podium, but I didn't care because all summer I had been fighting in the fit that I thought that the car might be down on power. And in between the festival in June and road America, I had a uh, I had a new clutch put in, a new motor mount thrown in the car, and then I also had a valve adjustment done. And when we did when the valve adjustment was done by my buddy James, the intake valves were loose, the exhaust valves were tight. And so basically intake valves were, were delayed in opening and the exhaust valves were opening early. What's not a good combination for power? That. That's right. not a good combination for power <laughs> to make proper power. That's so all, all of a sudden when we showed up on Saturday morning at Road America Guys who had been absolutely walking all over me at Gingerman the previous month, all of a sudden I'm right up their ass. I'm like, I don't care. Like, no matter what happens this weekend, all of a sudden the car is now in the right place. Yeah. Like, all of a sudden everything I thought was happening is confirmed. Because at Gingerman, I was at Midwest Festival, I was not a happy camper because I was like, I couldn't break two minutes at Midwest Festival, broke it in my first session, and then I could never hit it again. Right. Because Basically, we had this magical amount of grip on Thursday night at Midwest Festival because some sports racers had been running around on the track the week prior, and they had rubbered the track up with this with this rubber, and it, it, the track just felt awesome. It, some mm-hmm. people thought it felt really bad. I think it was just the amount of grip that the that the front of the cars had was making the rear twitchy yeah. uh, because all because the. Like I was talking to Tom O'Gorman about it and he was like, dude, the grip felt awesome. I was like, I thought the grip felt great too. And he's like, he's like, dude, the grip was really, really good last night. And so I ended up at a 58. My best at Gingerman is a 158.4, I think, or 58.6. But then the rest of the weekend between the time attack cars, the drift cars and the GLTC cars, there were so many dissimilar kinds of rubber being put down that the track just went to crap for the rest of the weekend. It never was, never was at its optimal again. Right, and right. so the oldest cracked tires, Anna was down on power. 
because when I'd been there earlier in the summer, I had been down on power, but the tires had still been halfway decent, so the tires weren't letting me down quite as much. But at this point in the summer, the tires are dead, and I'm down on power. It's like, well, you know, I, I'm just I'm stuck. And so I would really not been in a not been in a good headset mindset because I was like, I'm like, I am doing everything I can to send it into these corners, and I can't get any faster. And then I started getting around other cars, and they were just walking me every straightaway. I'd have them on corner exit. I was on the throttle, like I was on the throttle at corner exit, like so I knew they hadn't beaten me to the throttle, and then they would walk me, and I'd be like, I'm down on power. So yeah. basically, when I got to Road America, I was so excited because I was like, all right, cool, we've now solved that problem. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, cool, I can go into the winter knowing that. Well, I still suck. I suck a little bit less, you know. <laughs> of course, I hold you quite back. Now, when you get tires, you'll have just the right combo there. Yeah, and you'll be back up at the front. Yep. When's the next grid life? Do they have any? I think what was that? That was y'all's last event for the year. That's the, that's the last event for the year. So there's going to be a GLTC special stage with Super Lap Battle at Coda again this coming in 2022. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be the next time that we will be seen. March is so March is going to be our first event. I've heard rumors that it may be in the southeast. I don't know exactly. I can't confirm exactly where yet, but I've heard it's going to be happening in the south southeast to kick off our season. I heard something about peaches, maybe. Gotcha. So <laughs> can't really say much more than that. There's new management at NOLA, so I don't think it's going to be there. <laughs> at where? At NOLA Motorsports. There's new management, and I don't think it's going to be there. Yeah, no, I don't think we're ever going back to NOLA. We went last year, and apparently we got a sweetheart deal to go last year, and they just want they want the world for that track. I heard they wanted more money than we paid last year for less facilities than we had last year. And it's like, doesn't make sense for grid life at that point. Nah. Because part of what the advantage of what we had at NOLA was we had the the car track, the skid pad, and the big track. Right. So we could have all these different parts, part, you know, the big drift draw plus us. And yeah, so I heard the new management was trying to blame a lot of stuff on, on grid life. And it's like, no, grid life didn't do anything. You guys had drift week there right after we were there but don't <laughs> grid life didn't destroy anything so yeah. anyway but a couple like, thousand power trucks probably destroyed it more than anything yep yeah the most they, were there, they were there was, last year too i think the facility was probably paid for by fema y'all were probably all profit yeah the most damage was caused there by the indy uh when the indy was there in 15 with the car haulers yep that destroyed that paddock. Oh, jeez. And it's been good chatting with you. And uh, we'll have to keep an eye on the grid life deal. That looks like a good time. And there, I went down to uh, to NOLA when it was down there. Met up with some of the Iowa guys and Ohio guys in the 10 Tent podcast yep. folks. Yep. Some of that we got group. We got Dalton. Dalton's running in Sunday Cup now. And then we may or may not get Adam on the train, too. So we'll, 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 <laughs> we'll just see what happens. <laughs> So we'll just right. see what happens yet. Um, Appreciate you being here, yeah. being on the show. Good, good time. Absolutely. Well, thanks for having me, guys.